Hello, friends. You're now listening to the lifestyle, leisure, and sports show. You never knew was two of those things. I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. <laughs> so, no pressure. Bo Bishop, a regional media icon. Winner of Emmys. Purveyor of the good life. Sir, you don't know that for a fact. I just said I'm it on the radio. Also, two guys this company named Employee of the Month. What are you talking about? Paul Hogan is Hulk Hogan's brother. Uh-huh. Look sure it up. Because it's Hulk sure Hogan. Is. That's his real name. One guy is from Australia. The other one is from Tampa. And he's from Hollywood, brother. <laughs> Not brothers. Chops. Yes, they are. This is Bishop and Friends. Holy smokes. Let's do it live on a Friday. We got a lot going on. You get a snow day. You get a snow day. Everybody gets snow days. City shut down. Lock it up. This is where we're at, kids. It's a beautiful time. Um... Obviously, we got a lot going on here today. Uh, you just heard Ross Bjork in the last hour or so on Juice. Uh, we will go over some of the things he had to say uh, at 10 o'clock. We've got Rich Scarcella coming on, our good buddy at Penn State. He will join us at uh, 9.33. We will have the specifics on his thoughts on the big move made yesterday by Ryan Day. Tim May at 10.33, Shelly time, 11.33. What we learned this week, good Lord, it's been a busy week, um, and it got more busy last night. This, to me, um, they... Very clearly, with the loss to Michigan, exacerbated by the loss to Missouri, a line was drawn in the sand um, uh, by Ryan Day and by the football program and by the powers that be. And the line drawn in the sand is, this will not stand anymore. That's it. And so from that point on, from the loss to Missouri on, what you got is a the most driven, determined offseason that I've seen. Um, now there's a thin line between driven and determined and desperate. And oftentimes desperate leads to being driven and being determined. Um, and maybe that's fair too, to say that, but here's what I can tell you about this off season at Ohio state in regard to player retention. They got everything that they wanted. They were never getting Marvin Harrison jr. Back. They got every other player back that they wanted. They got them all back. Um, in regard to, Changes on the coaching staff. They got everything that they wanted or are in the process of getting everything that they wanted. Um, Bill O'Brien was on Ryan Day's, the very top of Ryan Day's list the entire time. This is what he was waiting for. It's the guy that he wanted. Um, and so he got him. And this happened yesterday. I talked about him yesterday on the show um, as being someone that would be an apple of the eye type guy. I mentioned Joe Brady as well, but Brian speci- O'Brien specifically. I think what this this is very clearly in a sport now where you have to do more than ever before, you need other people capable to help you. And that's what Bill Bryant, Bill O'Brien is going to come to do in Columbus is help Ryan Day. My hunch is that there will be it will be a collaboration of the Ryan Day offense and the Bill O'Brien offense. Um Obviously, Bill O'Brien's coming here to call plays. He's not coming here to not call plays. Like, that's the deal. So um, if you go to get somebody like that, then then that's what he's going to do. He's going to be in the booth. He did this at Alabama. He did this for the New England Patriots last year. Um, he is going to be the one calling the plays. That's a tricky spot for Ryan in that the reason that he was hired is because of his play-calling acumen um, and the rhythm – the gifted rhythm that he has with that. Um, it is one that many in NFL circles in the last couple of years – 
would would say was as good as any alongside of Lincoln Riley. Um, but in an ever-changing college football world where more and more and more is needed from the head coach and demanded of the head coach both on the field and off, it just became untenable. And it's too damn much to try to manage. And we saw it this year sometimes in in the way that Ryan Day managed games where it felt like he just had too much on his plate and there weren't enough people to collaborate with. Bill O'Brien gives him a collaborator. Um, and, and that is, he's, he's never had somebody like this to lean on in, in the room. Uh, Kevin Wilson was probably the, a very good example of similar. Um, but Bill O'Brien was the head coach of the Houston Texans and led them to division championships. He was, I think I said this at the time in 2012, his first year at Penn State, he went eight and four and, there were people around here who were saying, my God, how is Urban not the Big Ten Coach of the Year? And I came on this very radio station. I said, they got it right. Bill O'Brien's the Coach of the Year. He went 8-4, and four, and his roster could have been rated in season at any moment. And portal in fact, it was. the portal. They, they had free, free transfer right away. <clears throat> Silas Red went to USC, like in the season. They had college coaches paratrooping into Happy Valley and stealing his players after the Sandusky scandal. Uh, came to light and he went eight and four. That's the best coaching job I've ever seen in the Big Ten. That's leadership. So he's got that in spades. I mean, he's an alpha in spades in the NFL. He went nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven, four and 12. Then it's the Deshaun Watson run 11 and five, 10 and six. Like that's, that's the, that's what he did. The last two people to hire him are Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. So. He, he's an impressive guy in that sense. It's interesting. I heard a lot of Buckeye people all like, oh, they blew it. Ryan, this is the first thing he blew this off. I don't understand how you could say hiring a guy who coached in the NFL and had a 52 and 48 win record, who coached Penn State directly after the Paterno disaster, Paterno Sandusky disaster, and went 15 and nine in two years, how that guy's not capable of calling ball plays. I, I don't, I don't understand that. So whatever you think of this, Understand that this is exactly what Ryan Day wanted. Ryan Day went into this offseason determined and driven to keep his roster together, to hit the portal for the people that they wanted. And I think he, I mean, one, it was Riley Leonard and it was Will Howard. Those were the two guys that they wanted. Did they like Leonard more than Howard? We'll never know. Uh, they were too late to the game on that. But they got a transfer quarterback that they wanted, landed a big-time running back, Still could be more. This Bama roster is good about is just being rated left and right. So they're aggressive on that front. They're out there recruiting, trying to get those players. And this was the other thing he wanted. Ryan Day wanted Bill O'Brien on his staff. He wanted a pro coach on his staff, and he got one. Bill O'Brien, The I would say for people, you know, you said you saw some pushback on social media, and I think it's a good example of, hey, maybe sit back and think about something before your first initial reaction is yeah. what you put out there in print. Because at first when I heard the news, I was like, eh, I don't know if that's the, you know, exactly what I wanted from this hire. But then I, I thought about it more and, you know, you start to read up and you get reminded of where exactly Bill O'Brien has been and what he has done and what those records looked like at those stops. And then, you you know, you, you, you factor in the Saban and Belichick stuff and he was good enough for those guys. And, and those guys are pretty good coaches as well. And I really came around to it and started to think, OK, yes, my initial reaction was probably because, no, this is a, a retread type guy. He's been around for a long time. We've seen him in a lot of places, but he has succeeded 
at most of those stops. And no, it's not a young, sexy guy, but that's not exactly what Ryan Day wanted. And we keep talking about Ryan Day stepping into the CEO-style role for Ohio State. Well, an important thing for a CEO is to actually... Never be the smartest guy in the room. Never be the most talented guy in the room. You try to hire a staff that can do that stuff for you, and then you can manage the staff. Luckily, Ryan Day is a very smart guy, and so I don't know for sure that you know Bill O'Brien exceeds his offensive acumen, but he's definitely somebody with a resume that says, okay, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing offensively. And I think sometimes it gets murky with oh but you know houston he didn't do a good job there no he actually won. yes he did he, won he did a great a, job yeah he won quite a few divisional titles it was when he became the gm as well and started doing everything that it became a little bit too much for him and, and that's why they they moved on from him that was a mistake by houston for giving him all the keys but that's not the, the case here he's not coming here to be the head coach he's no. coming here to be the offensive coordinator which is something he is definitely capable of doing so as i thought about it more no i think this is a great hire for ohio state and i think it's going to result in the things you want i think it should result in the things you want obviously anything can happen but they put themselves in a good spot and i also go back to oh this you know what's going on because we were sitting here kind of on the edge of our seats for the last couple weeks is ohio state going to make another coaching move they clearly want to have their guy before they get rid of a guy that's already on staff i fully expect that the release that we get today or tomorrow whenever they officially announce it is going to come just like it did when they hired Guerrero last week with Parker Fleming there at the bottom of yeah. he has been released or not retained. This is going to come with Corey Dennis has been released or not retained by Ohio State and Bill O'Brien will be the OC and I imagine co-OC will be applied to both him and Brian Hartline. I don't think Brian Hartline's going to get Bill into Robetto motion had that. I gotta, We got to get Bill credit. Bill had it on Corey last night. So Bill, Bill had that last night that Corey would be the one released and um, yeah, there will be something official on that front and that's probably how they'll do it. When I saw the news last night, Thamel had it first. Yeah, was be be careful hiring a guy like that with as much pedigree as he has, because I'm not going to say he's Littlefinger, but what happens if Ryan Day's starting to, you know, not succeed early? And then I mean, it's the Flacco yeah. thing, right? Did you hire the guy that fans would rather see run the ship? Well, who was it who tried to usurp uh, Hugh Jackson? Todd. Todd Haley. Todd, Todd Haley. Haley. Yeah, you're right. I, I didn't think about it that way, but th- that's always a possibility. I, I think that. Um, I don't think this is that. But no, does this either. introduce. I mean, I guess I'm introducing the speculation, but could <laughs> no, this, I think others. I think if this doesn't work out, it's all. I think it goes a completely it's, different direction. I, I think the thing you have to, to Bill think O'Brien. About, I think the, 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 the thing you have to think about from a. For if you put yourself in Ryan Day's shoes, um, it, where we are in college football at the moment, the calendar as chaotic as it is, um, I was a proponent a year ago of I didn't want him giving up play calling because that's why he got the job. That's what he was best at. But the demands on that job now are so much greater than they've ever been. Than they've ever been. They've spent so they you lose the Cotton Bowl. They've spent the better part. They've been recruiting all week, nonstop, sun up, sun down. They're all over the country recruiting. They're recruiting. 25 kids, 26 kids. They're also recruiting portal guys that report that they're going to visit with Caleb Downs today. Help visit the quarterback who jumped in the portal, the five-star kid who's down there now. Visit him while you're down there um, and go raid the, the Alabama roster even more. Um, so it's just a nonstop job, and you need more people on your – he needed more people on his staff who could do the job. At the who could top be, level, Do yeah. the job of a CEO and, and oversee a program. And that's what Bill O'Brien can do. He did that at Penn State. He did it with 
the Houston Texans for a lot of years where he was out front of the program. He was a, a calming voice for two operations. Um, it's going to be, we're going to get into exactly what, what we think this is going to look like offensively and, you know, how the structure will kind of go, but there weren't enough. There weren't enough people on that staff. You just think about it. You went from a staff a year ago with Corey Dennis. You went to a staff that, um, that went from one of the most inexperienced in terms of, I mean, Corey Dennis had no experience quarterback coaching quarterbacks, none, right? Brian Hartline, tremendous job recruiting, coaching, all of that stuff. He had no experience as a play caller and he was the offensive coordinator. So you went from that to a guy who oversaw the transition from Paterno after Sandusky into Franklin and kept that program afloat to the guy who shepherded the the Houston Texans to playoff games, drafted Deshaun Watson, developed him, got him to 10-11 wins, um, and and then has overseen a Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama and was hired by Saban and Belichick. Like Just from an experience standpoint, that's off the charts. That's not even in the same vicinity of where you were a year ago. And and I, I, would, I would just tell you this. Ryan Day is not hiring Bill O'Brien and did not want him as – did not pursue him as doggedly as he did if he didn't know what Bill was all about and know and feel that that's exactly what he was looking for. In terms of what it'll look like, we're going to get into that coming up next. Uh, Rich Garcella will join us. He covered him while he was at the Reading Eagle. Um, when he was at Penn State, so we'll get to that as well. Obviously, a bear, very busy, snowed-in Friday edition. We're off and running. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. A lot has changed in 30 years, but we're still that old shoe that feels worn in and well-loved. And while we smell a little, but you've accepted that. Pull up a stool and ask the bartender for something neat, because Uncle Bo is on the radio. This is Bishop and Friends. And we are, of course, sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss without medications. A solution for weight loss, Awaken 180 Weight Loss. So Bill O'Brien comes on as the new offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Um, yeah, I think the title, will, you give him a title, associate head coach or assistant head coach slash co-offensive coordinator, or it could just be offensive coordinator and Heartline becomes co-offensive coordinator. Uh, it's a great opportunity for Brian, too, uh, to learn with from now, too, right? Um, gets to learn from, from Ryan Day and Bill O'Brien. Um, and, and, and his trajectory can continue. I somebody saw somebody yesterday was like, oh, great, he'll be here for two years, and he'll go be a head coach somewhere else. Well, yeah, that would be perfect because that would mean that he had succeeded tremendously. I don't, <laughs> do I think Bill O'Brien at this point in his career wants to be a 10-year offensive coordinator at Ohio State? No, I don't think so. That's kind of um, the goal. That's what Saban's that's been the doing operation. for the last eight years in yeah. Bama. <laughs> that's, the whole, that's the whole thing is you, know, you have a ton of success and your staff gets rated, and then you find out, how good of a program you have and how good of a coach you are. I think ideally Bill O'Brien's here two to three years. He gets a job running another program or back in the NFL uh, as a coordinator or, or probably as an NFL as a coordinator, as a college, as a head coach. And then at that point, Brian's ready to be the offensive coordinator and call the plays and do all those things. Um, but th- but that's that to me makes a lot of sense. In terms of the way that I think this structure will go is I think you will get the Ryan Day offense and you will get Bill O'Brien triggering it. So what this will allow for is a collaboration at the top of the offense. This will allow for idea sharing at a very, very high level, and it will allow for Ryan to handle situational stuff better 
than we did this year and than we did last year. And that's something that needs some improvement upon. There were end-of-half situations, end-of-game situations. Um, hell, even the end of the Georgia game where they kind of mismanaged how to handle that down the stretch. End of the so, Michigan first half absolutely. was a big one, too. Yeah. Absolutely. So now that hat can be worn by two men as opposed to one, and that can't help but help. Um, the last quarterback that Bill O'Brien coached in college was Bryce Young. That went well. So um, – I wouldn't worry too much about um, about the about what the offense is going to look like. The offense is going to look really good. Looked really good for Bryce Young. It looked incredible when he coordinated the offenses for Deshaun Watson. I kind of wondered if there was a chance that he would go to Cleveland, honestly, because I I wouldn't be surprised. They're both Stefanski and Ryan Day got these jobs because of their play calling acumen. Both of them are looking for offensive coordinators. I mean, we all assume up there that Stefanski is going to hire somebody with connection to Watson and. Bill O'Brien has that connection. So that's that's something that that I thought made a lot of sense. And those offenses looked really good in Houston. Another thing to keep in mind while building off of your point about like it's going to still be Ryan Day's offense with some, you know, some spices added in from Bill O'Brien because his most high profile offensive coordinator jobs that we're talking about at Alabama and in New England, well, that's under Saban and Belichick, two defensive guys who said, Hey, here's a pot, make your offensive soup. Ryan Day's already got a hot pot of offensive soup he's just asking for bill o'brien to come in and like i said spice it up throw some of his stuff in there i also see this a little bit now as as ryan day has formulated his staff as he has started to bring more guys in over the years because it was just a lot of holdovers because urban didn't take a ton of guys with him after he was done with ohio state he obviously didn't have a job right away that first next year anyways and he has now brought in a little bit more his staff it felt like if like he was a running a law firm that it was Ryan Day and Associates for a while. Yeah. And now it is Ryan Day, Knowles, and O'Brien as partners in this. And that's what the law firm is. And that's what he's done with his staff. It just took him a while to get there. But I'm excited to see what this, what this becomes because we see this, uh, we, we've seen this in other places, namely, up north at Michigan, hey, they gave Harbaugh a chance to turn over his coaching staff. Actually, they gave him two chances to he do did it. it a couple and, times. And it finally really worked. So that's why I am optimistic about this. So it's interesting you see that Bama quarterback popping into the portal. Yeah. I wonder what this does if this brings in or this gives opportunity for younger quarterbacks, you know, to think about Ohio State just for the idea to be developed under not just one legit NFL guy, not two NF- legit NFL guys, but three legit NFL guys. Like it it turns that pipeline into something that was desirable already, and now that's twice as desirable. Because you talk about Bill O'Brien being a next a head coach somewhere else, like that is the goal, is to have him succeed here and maybe turn this into not only a, an extra desirable quarterback pipeline, but a, a place where coaches can come kind of get the stink cleaned off of them. Like it wasn't a bad job he did at Houston. I mean, we've talked about how successful he was there, but then he goes to Alabama kind of has a, a career renaissance like several coaches have had. Then he goes to new England and sits under that tree. And now that he's here. And so if you can take all of those, you know, chops to use your, your analogy of and take those, all those ingredients and you can make something special here. And yeah, you can look back in a couple seasons and be like, wow, that was a great move. Well, he had, you just think about the quarterback recruiting, and I, I understand some of that Saban, right? But I mean, that he coached quarterbacks in Alabama, him. and he developed him. And so they landed three five-star quarterbacks in the time that Bill O'Brien was there. So now, not only is Ryan Day saying, hey, come to Ohio State, I, de- I developed uh, Haskins, Fields, Stroud, and whatever happens with Will Howard, and then the guys behind him. 
But now you can play for the guy who coached Bryce Young, who coached Deshaun Watson in the NFL. Is that interesting? Like, who can sell Coach more Tom than Brady that in the NFL? Yeah, who who can sell more than that from a from a recruiting standpoint? You want to be developed. You want to be coached by NFL guys. You want to get to the league. We got a guy who did it and was successful in Houston and coached Watson to incredible two incredible seasons in Houston. Like, I don't know. We, is that does that interest you? Like that that's a hell of a sales pitch. Like outside of Lincoln Riley, who else can sell that? No, yeah, I think you're right on that. That Ohio State's going to have that as like, hey, this is the kingmaker at quarterback right now, especially because the preeminent program with Saban stepping down is is Georgia. You know, they've won two national championships in the last three years. But they are not the quarterback kingmaker yet. They don't have that on their no. resume. I mean, they won all those championships with Stetson Bennett, who has he got drafted, but he wasn't seen as this overall crazy top prospect. So if you want to get developed and be an NFL guy, Ohio State actually does seem like the destination now for you. The one thing I will say, though, because there's still a, a, an open spot on the coaching staff, Bill O'Brien, his first stint with New England, who was a tight end coach? Oh, Brian Ferentz hey, your boy. He's available. So what else? What are the step? What else is open offensively? Nothing's open offensively. There's just the. Uh, There's still just a, a thing. Matt Guerrero for Parker Fleming, uh, Bill O'Brien for Corey Dennis, and then the Perry Eliano firing is still an open spot unless James takes it, which I would obviously for much God's rather sakes, have. Can we just make Brian that Ferentz. so? Yeah, let's just make that so. It's enough. Let's just get that locked up and be done with that. Um, so yeah, that's. You are in a spot. It's. I don't know how anybody could view this as a negative at all. I don't see a single negative about this. Um, and you look at it from a recruit angle. You look at it from a game management angle. You look at it from another guy who can handle some of the CEO responsibilities angle. Um, it checks every one of those boxes. Um, and he's a man's man. I mean, what he did at Penn State in 2012 is impressive as anything I've ever seen done in college football, truly. Um, the way that team won eight games with everything that was going on there. Rich Garcella covered that team. He will join us coming up next. Bishman Friends right here on The Fan. If you don't like listening to Morning Juice, Bobby Carpenter's man nipples will punch you in the face. For real. You want to fight, do you? Weekdays from 6 to 9. The Fan. Us. What's up? What's up, man? Well, here's what's up. Bill O'Brien going to be named the new offensive coordinator at Ohio State, a guy who knows him very well and a great friend of our program, Rich Garcella, covering Penn State football at the Reading Eagle and very kind enough to join us on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Rich, when you heard the news that Bill was going to return to this part of the country and be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, your thoughts were what, sir? Oh, gosh, I had a lot of thoughts, Bo. Um, <laughs> and again, th- hey, thanks for having me. But first, yeah, I mean – it was a miserable season uh, with the New England Patriots, his return to the New England Patriots, for a lot of reasons, and obviously not all uh, his responsibility. Um, the Patriots tied for last in the league in scoring. And I, at first I'm thinking, I know he wants to, his goal, he stated it when he was hired 11 or 12 years ago at Penn State, was to return to the NFL. And I think this, he looks this, my guess is he looks at this as a vehicle for him to return in the NFL. Um, I, I think I think he's a really really good offensive coach, despite what happened this year in New England. Um, and on the other side, I was very surprised that Ohio State would reach out to him, only because I I figured, and you guys obviously know better than me, I figured Brian Hartline was in line to be the next OC there. Um, so they're, they're, they were my initial thoughts, Bo. 
Yeah, I think the the thing with Hartline Rich is that he's not quite ready for that gig. Um and I think a couple of I think you laid it out perfectly. I said it in the top of the show. I, I think ideally this is a two or three year band aid for Ohio State to get Brian ready to do it. Um and now he's gonna get really two people who he who can mentor him, both Bill and uh Ryan, and and get him to a point where he can call plays and, and be a true offensive coordinator. Um what can you tell I, I said this, I remember in two thousand twelve vividly rich when I was here and everybody here was clamoring for Urban to win Big Ten Coach of the Year because they went undefeated in his first year. And I said, mm-hmm. I think they got it right because I think Bill O'Brien did the best in the most difficult situation I've ever seen in college athletics. You were there. What did you make of Bill O'Brien, the man, the leader, oh. all of the things that he did? Uh, completely impressive. Uh, really, really impressive. The job that he did. Um, Penn State fans, will he will always have a, a special place in the heart of Penn State fans. Uh, for what he did in the aftermath of the Sandusky scandal and keeping the program intact and, and really becoming the face of not only the football program, but of the university itself, stood up, uh, refused to take, to allow shots to be taken at the football program, at the university, you know, famously, um, called out a, a Big Ten head coach at the time for he and his staff coming on campus and literally going to outside the windows of dorm rooms to, to recruit uh, the Penn State players who were allowed by the NCAA to transfer immediately without penalty. Uh, very strong leader. Uh, I like him personally a lot. I didn't get to know him, obviously, quite as well as as some because, I mean, as, as other coaches, some other coaches, because he was only there two years. But even after the first year, I remember he was, he took offers from the NFL from, I think the Cleveland Browns and the Philadelphia Mm -hmm. Eagles. And his goal made it clear at his initial press conference was to return to the NFL. And um, so, yeah, I, I, but I'm very impressed with what he did in those two years going eight and four and seven and five. One thing that you you see, and I, I I've already seen it quite a bit with some of the people who are a little bit curious about the hire, is you know that that's a lot of that's there's, that's potential for a lot of ego, right? I mean, these are people who have run operations. Bill was the face of the Houston Texans, um, and mm-hmm. and had that whole operation. How what is he from from that standpoint in terms of meshing with with Ryan and 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 I agree, I understand you've he was you were only around him for a couple of years, but what can you tell me about yeah, just kind of his ability to to I suppose be humble or however that all goes. How, how do you think that meshes with Ryan? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. My, my guess is here, Bo, that, that they have somewhat of a history somewhere. I don't know. You know, Ryan's from new England, you know, maybe they crossed paths at one time. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I, I, I don't, my, my, my gut um, with Bill is he's, he's very, he's a very genuine person, a very sincere person. Every coach has an ego. Let's, yeah. You know, every football coach, you know, who's been a head coach has an ego. Um, but I think, I mean, he's <laughs> he's been an assistant coach for Nick Saban and for Bill Belichick. So he had to subvert his ego, you know, for several, I think, I don't know how many years, seven, eight years, whatever it was, the time yeah. spent on those two staffs. So I, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue at all. I'd be surprised if it ever, if, if it becomes one. The one thing that um, I, I was thinking is, you know, you, you talk about, an ability on the, and I know he, the the reputation is that he isn't crazy about the recruiting trail. And, and honestly, I don't know anybody who loves it the way it is right now. Um, but 
if you just think about it from the, a sales pitch of the guy coached Deshaun Watson, he coached Bryce Young to a Heisman. They recruited three five stars at Alabama while he was there. Now Ohio State has the ability to sell the guy who de- helped develop Deshaun Watson in the NFL and Ryan Day and everything he's done yeah. at the quarterback position. How much, in terms of him just handling the quarterbacks, because I think that's going to be a big part of his job here. Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 do you see there? Well, what I saw in the two years um, that he was here and he was calling plays, uh, Matt McGloin, who um, was kind of in and out of the lineup before he got, before Bill got to Penn State, had a very very productive season in 2012. And ended up playing in the NFL for several years and is earning a nice NFL pension. Mm-hmm. And Matt McGloin, who I haven't spoken to since this news broke, but has always spoken very, very highly of Bill. The following year, Christian Hackenberg had a tremendous freshman season in 2013 under Bill. And when 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 Bill left to be, to become head coach of the Houston Texans, Christian he admits it now he was crushed. He was devastated because he chose Penn State. That's play right. for Bill O'Brien, and he really – it took him a long time to get over that. So I, I think as what I saw in the two years that O'Brien was at Penn State, he, he the quarterbacks prospered and thrived under him. You know, the other thing I want to say is, you know, with the Texans, he was there six whole seasons, four division titles. Yeah. And, and I know things went south when he was – given uh, when he was put in charge of personnel, and that's something that he had wanted. You know, he made a couple questionable trades. But as a coach, he was very successful with the Texans as a head coach, and I think sometimes people forget that. Well, I I think it's funny, Rich. I said this in the previous segment. I do stuff with the Browns as well, and I'm like, it was a name that we thought about for the Browns, honestly, because they're looking for an offensive coordinator too, and the only thing that matters to them is making sure Deshaun Watson gets back to what he was, guess what, under Bill O'Brien. So that's – yeah, that's. You know, that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's a great point, Bo. I, I didn't think of that. You know, I, I wonder, though, like, because how bad the Patriots' offense was, and again, not all on his shoulders, but how bad they were this year, how many NFL teams are going to, you know, hire a guy who was in charge of the one of the worst offenses in the NFL? They would catch a lot of flack for that. It, you know, from a public relations standpoint. Sure. But again, he is he is more than qualified to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. And and, and I think in a short term, as you said, two or three years, probably closer. I think my guess is two. Yeah. It, it's a great addition for Ohio State. Yeah, I agree. You're a great addition to this program. Anytime we can get you. When I think Penn State football, I think of you. Uh, I appreciate you giving us some time on short notice, my friend. Well, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. All right, that's Rich Garcella covers Penn State at the Reading Eagle. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I you know, guys, the the Hackenberg part of that. Hackenberg was a five star quarterback who Bill O'Brien recruited at Penn State um, and was really good as a freshman, and then it really fell off after that. Arguably, and got worse over the did, years. There's no question, it got worse. That his best year was was right away, um, and that was under Bill O'Brien, and that was the 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 idea there was I'm going to go there to play for the guy who coached Brady. Yeah, that was the sales pitch. So, and I think you know, Rich said it. We've said it. It's a two-year, two, three-year window, guys. That's what you're looking at here. You're looking at a two or three-year window. Get this thing on track. Get Brian Hartline an apprenticeship of sorts from a guy who's been in the league, and now he's got two of them. Meantime, Ryan Day gets a big helping hand in in CEO ship. 
Can I throw one statistical anomaly that maybe plays devil's advocate in the other way that I just sure. saw uh, while you were talking to Rich there? So Will Brinson of CBS Sports, he covers the NFL, but he looked into this. Bill O'Brien spent eight total years working for either Bill Belichick, 2007 to 11 in 2023, or Nick Saban, 2021 to 2022, and yeah. didn't win a Super Bowl or a national championship. That's got to be a club with a membership of one. It feels like an anomaly, but it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, so he's at he's at Alabama twenty one twenty two, and then he's he's the it's up until twelve, and then this year, um, yeah. I mean, I think it's probably more of an anomaly. Than I mean, oh seven is the year where they go like, eighteteen and one, and yeah. they're in the Super Bowl, and that was his Did first he, year with the Patriots. So. Was he the quarterback coach on that team? Probably would have been that. I'd have to check his wiki to be sure. Actually, I have it up. Um, I'm pretty sure I have it up. Yeah, I do. Um, 07. So he's New England. He's just an offensive assistant in 07. Okay. Then wide receivers coach in 08. Then he was quarterback coach with Brady in 9 and 10. Coordinator and quarterback coach in 11. And then uh, Penn State head coach, 12 and 13. 14 to 20 head coach of the Houston Texans. Alabama, 21 and 22 offensive coordinator. Patriots coordinator in 23 and now coordinator here. And quarterbacks coach at Ohio State. So that's where you stand on this thing. Um, if you want to be skeptical, fine. But it's a, it's a very accomplished guy. Very accomplished guy to be calling uh, plays around here. And, and it's somebody the last two people that hired him are Saban and Belichick. So that put, ought to be a warm blanket on whatever concerns you may have. His former team, one of them, the Houston Texans, now quarterbacked by a Buckeye quarterback who is looking to continue to have one of the most remarkable first seasons in the history of the league. We will get into that. We'll get back into what these changes could mean. Ross Bjork uh, was on juice this morning, and, and I think this O'Brien thing factors into that somehow as well. Lots to get to. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. If you miss a live show, you can catch the podcast. If you miss the podcast, our hosts have volunteered to have dinner with you. Bye, the meatloaf! If you say something with enough confidence, it must be true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. One of Bill O'Brien's former teams, the Houston Texans, now quarterbacked by C.J. Stroud and coached by Demeco Ryans. And uh, they are headed to Baltimore this weekend, a 4.30 kick on Saturday in Baltimore against the Ravens. C.J. Stroud's rookie season, it's the stuff of legend already, um, the surefire rookie of the year. And I think he's going to get some MVP consideration as well, probably not as much. If if he hadn't gotten hurt, I think he could have finished top five or six in the MVP. Furthermore, if you would have done the vote after the first round of the playoffs, he probably would have finished in the top five for sure. Um, but he should win rookie of the year. He's been absolutely sensational. He'll have to be so again. What did the, do you guys have the typical lines up on this one? I'm, I'm curious if this one moved a lot. It was big yesterday. It was like nine and a half. Is it still that big? Today it is still nine and a half. 49ers are still minus nine and a half. Lions minus six and a half, Bills minus three for the whole gambit. Held. Yeah, they all. They all yeah, that's yesterday. pretty much exactly what we picked it out. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's where they were yesterday. Um, the Baltimore defense is a real one. Um, he faced a real one in Cleveland last week, but this one will be on the road. Here is CJ on the challenges that they possess. The D line gets a good pass rush. It rushes a unit. Um, and really, they range through week one, and it range through now. So uh, we got to just be able be on our A game, execute at a high level, focus on, on the little details, and um, just really when the moment gets big, that's when you execute um, and, and try to do your job and try to make it easy as possible. Yeah, the counterpart in this is Lamar Jackson, who is going to win the MVP, and I think he'll do so by a pretty wide margin. Um, he was asked about the prospect of getting into a shootout with CJ. Here's what Lamar had to say. 
don't really watch the games, but when I, when I do catch glimpses of other quarterbacks, but him, he's just been none talk on TV. You know, that's a guy who you're going to see day in, day out. You know, seven, he's been throwing the ball all over the field. Even though one of his star receivers, Tank Dell, went down, still been making things happen with the guys he has. How much more confident do you feel that this year's offense has the ability to put up the points you need to win in the playoffs? I'm very confident. Very, very confident. Extremely confident. What a incredible marriage that was with Todd Munkin. We t- we've been talking about that all season. You knew it. Um, I had experience with him when he's the offensive coordinator in Cleveland, and you just knew that. You just knew that that was kind of the from a Browns Bengals perspective. He's the last guy you wanted coordinating a Lamar Jackson offense. Was was Munkin? He's a, he is a true savant when it comes to play calling and rhythm and all of it. Um, the that this really is a remarkable story. We, we spend so much time about CJ and obviously that is the case and, and we're not doing a show in Baltimore. So we don't spend a lot of time talking about the Ravens, but you want to talk about the biggest bet ever on oneself that paid off. It's Lamar Jackson and he made everybody look stupid. He, he took, went on his own. He did it without an agent. Everybody said he couldn't do it. He got his money. Then he balled out and now he's going to win his second MVP. I mean, Carolina could have had him. Atlanta could have had him. Saints could have had him. A lot of people could have had Lamar Jackson. Last offseason, anybody could have anybody had him. Truly but they could have. colluded and said, we're not going to do guaranteed contracts. And it's like, yeah, but you guys are always looking for franchise Idiots. quarterbacks. You should have just done it. Yeah, the other owners would have been mad at you, but you would have had Lamar Jackson. Yeah. It's worth it. That would have it. worked out pretty good. So the Deshaun deal isn't real, right? Like, that doesn't exist. Yeah, that's NFL. a fake deal. Like, that's what Nobody the, saw the that. owners would want you to believe. These but, aren't the drones you're looking for. I mean, there's just there's three quarterbacks more deserving of that, and Lamar Jackson's one of them of of, oh, of that kind that. of a contract. Like if yeah. that's what we're setting the market at, but an incredible win for Baltimore, an incredible win for Lamar. It'd be able to at this point be one of the favorites in the AFC, the MVP, and I mean I, this game. That they've got against C.J. Stroud. This this opens the window. I mean, the window already opened for Houston two years, probably before they wanted it to, and the window's oh still yeah. open for the Baltimore Ravens. Like this team doesn't look like it's going anywhere. And this game, I think, we'll finally get what we've always kind of questioned with Lamar Jackson. We've seen it throughout this season, and we've seen it progress throughout his career that he can throw it, but can he throw it when they have to throw it? Because his Houston run defense is pretty good, but then also on the other side, their their pass rush is also pretty good. So if he has to drop back, he might be somebody who's under pressure, and does he have the capability to make that happen? I think after this year with the marriage with Todd Munkin that he can, but it'll be a really fun test. And then on the other side for C.J. Stroud, well, the Ravens' defense is always solid. It's always going to play really solid. I don't yeah. think you're going to end up with those boomer bust type crazy wide open plays that he got against the Browns. They take a few more risks out on the field while also still being a very good defense. Obviously, didn't look like it last weekend. I don't think the Ravens are going to take as many of those and end up with those crazy schematic things that the Texans just boom, like shooting fish in a barrel. But still, C.J. Stroud has proven himself this year that he is capable of going toe to toe in the NFL. Because it's the uh, artist formerly known as the Cleveland Browns, I'm just looking at yeah. our friends at Typico Sportsbook, Odell Beckham Jr., plus 250, anytime touchdown score. Oh, I feel like he'll... I like that one. Pretty good. Yeah, I like that one. I, th- I think there's a chance. He he scored in the run with the Rams, it seemed like, every time until he got hurt. He'd he was MVP of the Super Bowl before his knee yeah. went out. From a, um, from a CJ perspective, if you're redrafting the league, how many people do you take ahead of him? Mahomes, Allen, Jackson, Burrow. Sure? With all the injuries? Are you sure about Allen? I I think I'm sure about Allen, right? Just because I have a bigger track record. Like, I feel like he can carry, like, put it on his shoulders. Herbert? We have one season with, I don't know about Herbert. 
Are we sure? Is it I'm CJ sure about, or Herbert? I'm sure about Burrow and Mahomes. Everybody else, I'm the like... The only thing... I, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I love Burrow. I'm just saying... Injury. He's missed two seasons with injury. But be careful with the CJ Stroud stuff because you could have had this conversation about Jalen Hurts last year. I think that CJ Stroud isn't gimmicky, and I think what they were doing in Philly was a little gimmicky. Yeah. You cannot have Justin a quarterback. Herbert had an amazing rookie year, though. He too. for sure did. He for sure did. But he didn't win a playoff game yet. Um, and CJ's already done that. And he did it in a season where nobody expected this Houston team to do anything. With a rookie head coach. He elevated too, yeah. everybody. That stat, the, that's stat. That's the biggest point, Bo. Sorry to interrupt yeah. just real quick is that so many of the, these quarterbacks we're talking about, when they had a rough rookie season or sophomore season, yeah. the narrative has been there's no talent around them. But yes. for Stroud, there really isn't incredible all pro talent around him he's elevated guys to those levels the stat from a couple of weeks ago where the it was montana in 89 brady in 07 and this year stroud that led the league in passing yards per game and touchdown to interception ratio that's the all-time brady season that's the randy moss season in 07 that's the joe montana mvp season his best season in 89 that's the list that's it. That's the list. And those, Bill O'Brien Manning, was on one of those staffs. He was, yeah. But that wasn't, you see what I mean? Like, that's pretty, that's a, a level. When you're compared to 07 Brady and 89 Montana, that's your trump card right there. Um, I, I think it's just a short list. I, I think the kid's brilliant. I think he's going to have run up against it a little bit with this Baltimore team. And, well, we're going to get to the Bills and the and the Chiefs and a, a little bit of a preview of that coming up here at, at 1020. While I think there's all, it's all... Buffalo this year, this Baltimore thing is sustainable. But if it, if it goes the way we're kind of all expecting that the Ravens are able to take care of the Texans, this is not Houston turning back into a pumpkin. This is oh no, super encouraging for the future of what oh, they've set up. It's house yeah. money, yeah. This is house money. They weren't supposed to Reese's point. They weren't supposed to be here for two or three years. They're so far ahead of schedule. They were supposed to be the number one overall pick <laughs> yeah, that they don't again. even own because it's a, it's in Arizona. But they were supposed to be that this year. That's right. New athletic director Ross Bork was on Juice this morning. Uh, we have a major addition to the transfer window out of Alabama as their roster just being purged. We'll get to that coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. If you're looking for the radio home of the crew, you've come to the right place. Because if we weren't, this promo would be very stupid. Proud to be your crew station, The Fan Nation. With friends like these, who needs former college football players? This is Bishop and Friends. I don't know where the uh, where it originated from, but you know the this bet saying like the world's top, smallest violin. Yeah, that that thing that that's what's going on in the South right now. Um, as everyone is feeling just so sorry for Alabama uh, with all of their success. Five star quarterback Julian Sand, he was the number three player in the class, um, number one quarterback in the class. He is out at Alabama. He jumped into the transfer portal. I I think. And I, I saw the tweets this morning. He, uh, he's gonna, you know, he came to Alabama to play for Nick Saban. Okay, fine, um, and 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 that's fine. But it, I think it's odd that you wouldn't to jump in it now as a kid. He he was an early enrollee, so he jumps in the portal now. I I like if I'm his, I put myself in his parents' shoes. I would say, all right, we're still at Alabama. Now all of a sudden we have the guy who oversaw. A guy who finished fifth in the Heisman and a guy who finished second in the Heisman with not this type of talent, clearly a quarterback developer, a guy, a kid who was an afterthought when he was in Indiana and became a face of a program guy. I, I don't know. I might want to get through a spring game 
before I bounced. You can always go in May. I guess it's not to say that he's definitely out, but the everything it seems like and the things were written, it feels like he's out. So instead, you put your life in flux in the middle of January of an early enrollee first semester. The other the part of this that's going to be really tough is clear. I'm sure he was induced with NIL, as all these kids are at the highest level. So the people at Alabama that that wrote checks to pay for all these guys or put cash in suitcases or how the hell they're doing it, all those people are just out there cash. So it's a money grab for the kid, like he wants another bite at the the NIL apple, or his parents do, or whatever. That part of it's kind of a seedy underbelly of it. Um, either way, he's a five star kid. I saw a tweet this morning. The the schools that ran on him were guess what? Georgia, LSU, Texas, Ohio State. Watch out for those four. All the while, like this is what we were talking about yesterday with like getting on to it too fast for some of these recruits. When this news broke, he should have been in like U.S. history in first period. Instead, he's, right. he's on campus at Alabama, but he's not even ever really going to be a student there, and he's already no. in the transfer portal. It's really tough. Uh, Bama did add a quarterback from the the backups uh, among the quarterbacks at Washington last year in Austin Mack, which confused me because we were, when we were talking we to Paul one. Feinbaum yesterday, yeah. we were, they were talking, he, he, so I went back and I found his direct quote. He said, I kept thinking the other day, well, when are the Washington players going to start coming to Alabama? Then I realized they can't. And I can't, I can't figure out what he meant by that. I don't know either. I, never I tried to look up a rule if there was anything. Did he forget that it, it also, you know, Washington also lost their coach, so they are in the thirty day window? I don't know. I can't figure it out. I wondered if he meant it as you know, and thinking about it, you know, twenty four hours removed as a shade at Washington, being like, those players can't go to Alabama. I don't think they're so. just in the right. national championship. Like they're yeah, clearly would, on they some level. They're trying to logic this, players. and it's the logicking the transfer portal yeah, is a fool's errand. And the Mac kid was a big recruit. I want to say he was like a four star for Washington. So, and and he came in last night. So maybe that's why Julian's saying is bouncing. Yeah, like he's got it's his still guy. a very good quarterback room at Alabama. Bill for Rose sure. there. Yeah, the Ty Simpson was there, and he was technically in the mix for you know the starting job this yeah. past season. So, yeah, it, it's it's there for them. But it's just add another one on top of it. So now you're not only is the guys who are already on your roster in the transfer portal going, this one's technically a portal, but this is a decommitment. He's yeah, a class sure. of 2024 guy. Yeah. And I'm, I look, if you're Ohio state, you kick the tires on it. Uh, you know, I mean, you got air Nolan who's already here, but you kick the tires on talent. All is fair in recruiting. And if you can upgrade positions and add more talent, you do so. So the only thing that'll be really tricky about all of this is how they, cause you still have to get to 85, I mean, you can offset some of that with NIL, but from a scholarship standpoint, you still got to get to a number that's that's 85. So and that's so, a tricky one, too. And that's another thing to keep in mind with Ohio State. If there are any guys, like there was a tight end who entered the transfer portal. At this point, any people who enter the transfer portal from Ohio State are because Ohio State feels like they have better people on the roster. There's nobody yeah, leaving for pursuit. any... Yeah, there's nobody leaving for any, any reason beyond, like, they don't have a spot on, uh, to start. Yeah. Yeah. This Bama roster is being raided is what's happening right now. So there it's open season um on on the Alabama roster. Uh Ross Bjork was on Morning Juice, new athletic director at Ohio State. Guys did a hell of a job with it. Um and there's a lot of stuff I want to get to here, but let's just start with the fellas asked him um what his next few months will look like. Here's what Ross Bjork had to say. One, you want to leave Texas A and M the right way. So whether that's you know, conversations that maybe I, only I was having with my president. I want to make sure our executive team's aware of those. I want to wrap things up with my president. There's some 
We have some major contracts that we were in negotiation with, so I want to make sure we leave those in a good spot and, and just make sure you say goodbye to people. Uh, this college athletics is not really a, hey, I'll never see you again. It's really just a goodbye, see you down the road. So leave Texas A&M the right way. Uh, the month of February, honestly, um, I'm just going to be a dad and a, and a husband for a little while and uh, just catch up on a lot of things, maybe get the, the house situated here in Texas. I'll probably travel to meet the Big Ten officials and maybe people around college athletics that I need to catch up with. Uh, the Learfield folks are here in Dallas. I'll probably go up there and spend a day with them to learn about the Ohio State University and, and our partnership. So kind of just catch it up on a lot of things in February, and then I'll start coming around on March 1st, uh, going to events, learning the operations, sitting down with Gene, sitting down with the staff, sitting down with donors, sitting down with President Carter, so that's what the it'll look like between now and March. What will the first 100 days look like at Ohio State for Ross Bjork? Here was his answer to that. And when they first contacted me about it, and, and I had the first conversation with President Carter, I asked him, I said, hey, how, how do you think this is going to work? Because there's no way in the world that I'm going to interfere with Gene Smith and, and his legacy during this transition. And so we mapped out, I think, a really good plan. So I'll formulate what those first official 100 days look like starting on the July the 1st. But I think you can't really come in and do that until you actually know the place. There's a lot of people that want to come in and just, you know, blast and blitz and just say, we're going to do this and do that. You don't really know until you know. So that's what we'll, this transition will allow me to do is really formulate structurally what do we need to do, organizationally what do we need to do, is there any pending contracts that are out there, What's what's happening on the calendar the month of July? Universities are, are pretty quiet in July, so there's not going to be a lot of uh, events per se. But I'll get there and I'll I'll learn that. But there will definitely be a listening and learning plan more than anything else during those first hundred days, and uh, this ramp up will allow me to do that. He's a really impressive guy, um, both in his presser and, and with the fellows this morning. The thing that I was most impressed with was, uh, honestly, it was a complete change from the stuff that we've seen before from from Ohio State, and that was in the uh, the world of revenue sharing and an acknowledgement that that's where we are headed in college athletics, and it's a place where we're going to get to sooner rather than later. Bjork was at the forefront of the NIL bills in Texas, helped with the writing of those, and Texas A&M had one of the most locked in collectives and, and relationship between university and collectives you'll find in all of sports, um, in all of the sport rather. Um, he was asked by the fellows this morning on Morning Juice about the revenue sharing model. Here's what he had to say. We're going to be sharing revenue with, uh, with athletes. We're going to be reallocating resources across our athletic departments. We're going to still have sports though, and we're going to still have education. What I tell people here at Texas A&M, and I'm going to say the same thing, at Ohio State, maybe just in a different different realm, is we're on the right side of the equation. Whatever the equation is going to be, the Ohio State University, Texas A&M, the SEC, the Big Ten, we are going to lead the charge in this and going to be on the right side of the equation. So let's just get there sooner rather than later so the athletes have clarity, the parents, the future of college sports, the TV partners, the coaches, you guys in the media, Let's just get the clarity sooner rather than later because it's the right thing to do for the enterprise of higher education and college athletics. That is a drastic change from anything we've heard from really? up at the Woody and the Fawcett's. I mean, we just have never heard 
really up north from anybody but like Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah, Jim Harbaugh. That's it. Nobody else had. And I, I think Ryan talked about this at one point at an availability, but not somebody in terms of who has the ability and the power to shape what's next in the sport. We've never had anybody, not an athletic director, not a college president. No one has been that direct and forthright in what the future needs to look like and what it's going to look like and the role you're going to play in what it looks like. In fact, when Harbaugh was, he was doing some sort of pre-national championship or pre-Rose Bowl availability, yeah. and this kind of subject came up, and he's been passionate about it, and he wanted to talk about it. And in the video clip, you could kind of see his SID or whoever was his handler that mm-hmm. day was kind of like trying to be like, okay, Jim, let's let's wrap it up. Let, let's get yeah. out of here. And he didn't like it, but now it sounds like from leadership positions at, at Ohio State, you're going to have people who... The best is to be proactive instead of reactive, or the worst of the the secret third option are the people who are trying to keep it in the amateurism model and keep holding it back to what the NCAA was. That ship has sailed. It, it's still better th- to be reactive than that, but being proactive is going to put you on the forefront of this, and that's something that it looks like Ross Bjork, especially with what he did at Texas A&M, is very interested of saying, okay, let's embrace this, but also let's figure this out. Yeah, it's it's I don't even know if it's an embracing. It's like let's attack this. I like that word. Let's yep. let's be on the offensive with this instead of being so reactionary. Um there is a longer answer he gave to paying attention to what was yesterday the 11th hearing that a uh, congressional body had had about name image and likeness where from the politician side of it, the relatively the same stuff's being said. We need to have guardrails. We've got to fix this issue, but no real solutions are given. You've got other schools oh and my God. people with uh, agendas, clear agendas say, well, the non-revenue sports will be cut if something like this happens. And then you have Ross today saying, I was paying attention to all of that, but it needs to be a we're we're pushing this agenda forward instead of allowing it to be set or to be discussed like constantly I mean, ad nauseum when the there were a couple of senators and congressmen yesterday who would speak on this and i i felt like the principal in billy madison truly i award you like, no points i award you no points you have you what you have you never do you even know what you're hearing what this hearing is about there was a guy i i, I heard him talking about well the, the one thing i know none of us want is pay for play in college like have you not been paying? Do you not know what's going on? And the answer to that is no, they don't know what's going on because they can't even run the damn country, let alone try to weigh in on something as complicated as college athletics. So the word you use the word attack, Reese. I love that word. Ross Bjork, Greg Sankey, Tony Petiti, the athletic directors at the most powerful schools in this country, Texas, Alabama, those type of places, Michigan, Notre Dame, those type of places. They are going to be the people who shape college athletics going forward. And Ross Bjork, to me, sounds like somebody who wants to be on the front lines of that. And that's a good thing at Ohio State, to have that type of proactive attack to the future of the sport. Because here's the deal. If you're on the front lines, you can be part of writing the rules of it and what it looks like. You cannot rely on others to do it. Otherwise, you're stuck. You're stuck. So it seems like attacking it is Ross Bjork's attitude, and I could not be more in favor of that. And hopefully, yeah, you can get Tony Petiti in line with that to to attack it as well because, you know, you look at it and – who benefited so much from the college football playoff more than any other conference was the SEC because they've always been this attack mentality. And what did they create? You know, what did they help create all those administrators and people you're talking about? But especially at the forefront with Greg Sankey and the SEC and their leadership, 
the college football playoff and forming that and now in the expanded playoff. And that's just just the college football playoff. We're talking about then opening up to being at the forefront of planning it for all of college sports. And yeah, you want to be at the front of it and not just being pulled along with the progress. It's a tough it's it's a tough ask to create revenue sharing while also maintaining 36 sports. But well, that's that's the job. That this is the best and toughest job in the country. And you got to blow up the shoe. Like this is all. Well, he got, he's got a lot going on. He's got a lot, a lot to do. On. Yeah, thirty six sports is. Before you cut sports, I think you need to look at uh, head coach salaries. In that notion, you can look them up. They're all public domain. It's hard though because, and we're up against it. So I, I, I'll make a point on why that's so difficult. Coming up next, Bishopman friends, right here on the fan. We have so many local shows. I can't fit them in a ten second promo. So let's just say we're live and local all damn day. Keep your friends close and your producers closer. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Tom Loy covers recruiting in college football for 24-7 sports uh, with a tweet here in the last 10 minutes. Uh, we mentioned Alabama transfer. I mean, tra- transfer. I mean, he's a commit who's on campus. He should be uh, still in high school. Five-star quarterback, uh, number number one quarterback in the 2024 class, number five player overall. Uh, Tom Lay writes, I'm watching USC and Ohio State for Alabama transfer quarterback Julian Tseng, watching him uh, to go in officially, but based on intel I have received, my early crystal ball is on the Buckeyes landing him. They already have Aaron Nolan on campus. Like this. Talking about the word attack, man, the Buckeyes just are relentless this offseason. It's, off it's good to see that fire be lit it is unbelievable i you have a lot to sort out um in a room at, at that point if if you add this kid as well because nolan's already on campus um and i'm for it like you want all the talent in the world like steve sarkeesian didn't worry about adding yeah. arch manning to that class and they already had malik murphy and quinn ewers was there and you know you compete and the, the best man wins and in this honestly in this world of college football that we're in right now these kids can transfer at any moment so as a program, you have to be proactive, and you have to go get all of the talent that you can. Um, that'd be a major coup uh, to add that type of talent to the room, and it would obviously lead to a bunch of transfers going out. Uh, if that's the case, you're not going to have five quarterbacks, scholarship quarterbacks, in the room next year um, at the top. Of, you you mentioned um, the pay and the revenue sharing and the amount of sports. Um, the thing that I think is going to be very fascinating is will there be and I. If, if we're lucky enough to have Ross Bjork on at some point, I, I'll ask him this question. Can we get to a point in college athletics where we don't treat football, men's basketball, and the other revenue generators like currently right now, Iowa women's basketball, the same as we do to the non-revenue sports? And so there are certain positions that are the compensation. For example, if you have to get start giving athletes a cut of something, does every athlete get a cut of that pie? Or does just football? get a cut of that pie does football get to keep its own money or does football have this is why this is such a complicated issue does football have to continue to subsidize all the other sports i've long said that ohio state the reason ohio state like texas just came out last week texas was the most profitable athletic department in the country and i think we did this a year ago and texas has i want to say like 18 sports Something A&M like has that. 20 for reference. I looked that up yesterday. Okay. So it's right around there for Texas. Like it's a, it's somewhere in that number. Ohio state has twice as many sports. So I've always said, and it rankles some people when I say it, Ohio state's athletic department is not a good business model. No, you're subsidizing a bunch of things you don't need to subsidize. And when I say you don't need to subsidize, there are sport, there are a ton of sports at Ohio state that are not played at the high school level in the state of Ohio. So, 
when you are Ohio State, you are representing the state of Ohio. And I understand you want to elevate the state of Ohio, but there's a bunch of sports that are played at Ohio State that are not they're not even played, played in this the, part of the country. They're not even played at the college level in the rest of Ohio. No, like, they, they don't. There's only like so many schools that they compete in at some of these these sports. If you really look through the list, right. there's only so many teams that they're actually competing with. And so when that we were talking about the congressional hearing, one of the things that they always, they always love to use the non-revenue generating sports as a shield against sure. them that oh, in title nine, they'll, they'll get hurt and it'll go away. Well, one, it's not the football players responsibility to the fruits of their labor to support your sport. And two, Hey, maybe just change the model because we have to acknowledge that football and men's basketball and the other revenue generators are different sports and they have a point to do out of conference games and big showcases and we're all going to go to the Bahamas for a preseason tournament. The other sports don't need to do that. There's enough Mac schools here that you should be able to compete with them as long as they have those sports. And I understand some of those won't, and that's going to be the ones where yeah, you'd still have to support that kind of stuff. But stop treating the stop treating the other sports like they need to have the same type of events as football and basketball because they don't make money off them anyways. They, no. they lose money. God, I love a good pie analogy. You see, there's only so much <laughs> of the pie that can be shared among. I mean, there's only so many slices that you can give out. And the thing about coaching salaries, I think you also have to be careful with is that it's public record at Ohio State. It is also public record all across the country. And so the market is what the market is. And if you want to compete, retain or compete higher and retain the top talent, you've got to pay the market and sometimes above market for the best. Well, I so think, I think that's where, how much of a market is there for some of these coaches where the well, sports don't even exist at most universities? Those are deciders. Yeah. And I, I think the other part here is, is right now there is so much money coming in and these are, remember, these are nonprofits. So you have to reinvest those resources. So you, the idea, the one that you always come back to is like strength conditioning coach, those type of things, like the football strength conditioning coach making million two or whatever, like, and that's something that started in the SEC, and it's happening here now, and it's and that's kind of the operation. Well, I remember when I first got here, strength and conditioning coach making eighty nine grand, right? So basically, what happened is so much money came into the sport that you had to spend it somewhere, and so you just pay people and give them these absurd raises when whether they're justified or not, you have to spend the money, and yeah. that money, if in a revenue sharing model, will instead go to players. That money will then be allocated to players. And so those numbers on those salaries very likely will go down. But that is a separate conversation than one about, are we sure Ohio State needs 36 athletic sports? Now, Bjork was adamant. Like, we're keeping them. Um, I love that we have them. He did talk about the salaries and making them more incentive or performance-based as well, which for teams that aren't performing, then that can keep the numbers. And maybe But what would happen if every team performed well in one year? Then then what happens? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the pie of it. Ohio State has this has always had this this view of we are going to be Alabama in football and we're going to be Stanford and everything else. And you're the only one that tries to thread that needle. It's a tough one, man. It is a very difficult needle to thread. You think about from a I mean the amount I mean fencing and pistol, rifle, swim and dive. There's a men's spirit program. Men's I mean, synchronized men's swimming, sport. they always win the national championship yeah. in that one. Yeah, men's volleyball, which is a, a club and just most recently become um, a, a a sport in, in the state of Ohio. On the women's side, it's it's even more. Um, I mentioned the fencing and, the, of course, you know, gymnastics and 
rowing, rifle, pistol, swim and dive, synchronized swimming, dance, like all of this stuff. I think you have to say to yourself, like, what, what do we want to be here? And do we really need this much of this? We all we like, need all of these teams. We all like to pound our chest when Ohio State wins another national championship or the fact that they have 36 sports. But does it really matter to most people day to day the way that like any of the, like, you know, the football program or the, even the basketball program does? The answer is no. I'm not even going to let anybody no. try to pretend that it is. They, yeah, there are, there are obviously the parents of those people and then maybe some niche yeah. fans for every single one. But I just don't think there's that many people checking out the live stream of the pistol competitions. And so is it worth it? And the thing to remember as we're talking about revenue sharing is yes, it is very true that the, the money numbers have ballooned. There's a ton of money around college sports, but it's not infinite. It does have to go somewhere and come from somewhere, and you can't just keep giving it out endlessly because it is an endless. Yeah, sometimes there's just one piece left of the pie, and after (laughs) that, there's no more pie. I'm not talking about pie. Unrelated, uh, I do wonder what Alabama is going to transition to because when Michigan had their falling off a cliff, remember, they became a basketball school. They did. So does Alabama, now that their football program is washed, oh, they're going to be a baseball school. Well, Uh Kayla DeBoer's daughter plays softball and she's elite, so maybe softball. Oh, that'll be interesting. Maybe be a softball school is the way that that goes. Tim May will add perspective coming up next. Fisherman Friends right here on The Fan. The Chris Holtman Daily Show is brought to you locally on The Fan by Credit Union of Ohio. This is Chris Holtman Daily Show brought to you by Encova Insurance. Your team hosts Penn State this weekend. You look back at the first game with Penn State in State College. Certainly, I know you can focus on some good stretches that occurred in that game. For sure. Yeah, I mean, you get a, you get a lead like that on the road. You need to be able to finish. We need to be able to finish, but uh, we, we really played well. We shot it really well in that game, and as we've talked about you know, our struggle shooting the ball right now, that was a game where we shot it exceptionally well. And give them credit. You know, They've beaten some people there for sure. They played well at home and on the road. They've got almost a brand-new team. They picked up a bunch of transfers, and uh, we'll need to play well, and we're excited about the challenge. Okay, we'll have another comment in just a moment. Hi, I'm Archie Griffin, two-time Heisman Trophy winner. The right coverage can be a game changer, both on and off the field. That's why Encova Insurance and their local independent agents are prepared for what's next and protect what matters most to you. Whether that's your home, car, business, or family, Encova's got your back with a policy that fits you perfectly. With local independent agents in your neighborhood and innovative insurance products that can be tailored to fit your unique needs, Encova's playbook is an easy win for your peace of mind. You can trust their team of agents to develop a strategy that's just right for you. And it's not just X's and O's. Your expert agent will guide you and provide insurance solutions so you can confidently manage your risk and count on a financially secure future. Bottle home and business insurance, you want Encova on your team. Visit Encova.com today to find an agent near you. Encova is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Bucks! At Ohio State... All that we accomplish means even more when achieved together. We're creating the new field of imageomics to track biodiversity. Space farming to feed the world. We're developing cardio-oncology therapies to reduce heart damage. AI trust verification to protect AI technologies from hackers. And engineering more fuel-efficient cars. At Ohio State, we're creating these solutions the world needs now. This is the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Chris, as your team hosts Penn State tomorrow, it's a game where, and it happens every year, where a lot of the former captains come back and they get introduced at halftime. If you would, just talk about the influence of former players being around the current players. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Our captain's dinner last year was a memorable moment. <clears throat> and 
you know, I just I love the fact that um, our, our guys uh, uh, can hear from uh, some of those guys and hear some of their stories. And you know, you always get better with age. Uh, your career, your career always gets better. You know, as you reflect back. Uh, so it's great hearing from those guys and hearing some stories. And we've got some really special captains uh, uh, in this program, guys that I want our guys to listen to and hear from. And uh, it's a really exciting thing. It is the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Is it time to upgrade your financial situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings, Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Everybody knows that Roosters is a fun, casual joint with their award-winning waitstaff, great food, fun, and laughter. It's a quick stop on the way home to sit back and unwind or grab a carryout. Roosters is where you, your family, and friends can order pizza, sandwiches, salads, and more. And the home of award-winning wings that are fresh, never frozen. It's your family's other dinner table. Roosters, a fun, casual joint. Us. Interested in Iowa football? Too bad. Chops will tell you about it anyway. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, let's have a conversation with our great friend, Tim May, the Tim May Show, joining us on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. So, Bill O'Brien, coming to town, buddy. How do you Mm -hmm. think, uh, what do you think his job will be, and how do you think it will be, Ryan Day will delegate all of this? What does this look like next year around here? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, you don't believe. The, uh, Bill O'Brien's coming is anything other than anything short of offensive coordinator. Whether whether Brian Hartline will be the co-offensive coordinator, as I always explain to people on an airplane, you have the pilot and the co-pilot. You know, and the yeah. co-pilot's not quite the same as the pilot, but he lets him land the plane sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be it'll be back to uh, defining things like that again. We'll see. You know, finally, but because. Ryan hasn't, you know, spoken publicly about what is it. You heard me try to ask him that on uh, Wednesday did, yeah. after the Bjork press conference, and I knew he was close, you know, to doing this. Mm-hmm. But uh, until it, you pull it off, it. But it, but you know, you figure Bill O'Brien's coming here with some type of uh, autonomy to a certain extent. But sure. as I explained on our LettermanRoad.com uh, pod, uh, little video this morning, uh, this isn't like hiring, like. Um, uh, a, a, an offensive guru who's going to put in his offense. You know, at least that's the the take I'm getting is that uh, this is a guy that's being brought in to enhance, kind of fix some things, coordinate it a little bit better, uh, and and have a little bit more focus more than anything else about this offense, one way or the other. You know, I know there are Alabama fans that are rolling around laughing because uh, when uh, when Bill O'Brien when, was at Alabama for two years before moving back to the Patriots last year. Uh, you know, he was noted for pay occasionally pulling just a play out of his rear, out of his rear pocket is <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. the best way of saying it. And, uh, you know, with Bryce Young running the show, Bryce Young could get you out of a lot of situations uh, and make a play out of a play that, you know, shouldn't have worked in the first place. So, uh, 
you know, but Bill O'Brien still got a pretty, pretty damn good track record when it comes to offense. I just remember, you know, he was with, when he was with the Patriots, I don't think they won a Super Bowl with him. They did not. But no. he was the trusted, uh, a trusted big time assistant for the greatest coach in NFL history. And you could say the same thing about him being the trusted offensive coordinator for the greatest college coach in history. That says a lot on your resume, <laughs> as yes. I like to say, and that uh, you like a lot about what this guy brings to the table. But the idea that you know now uh, Ryan Day is going to step back and not be involved at all in the offense, I don't, I don't think that's going to – he may say that initially, just like he said he was pretty close to giving up play-calling duties last year. But, of course, that didn't work and that didn't happen. And I, I expect Ryan Day to still have much uh, a lot of input into things. But it's going to be interesting uh, because – you're not going to have a beginner at offensive coordinator. You're going to have a guy who's been around uh, and done that, and sometimes really well. I just remember what he did at uh, at Penn State. I mean, he took over that job at the worst of times, and you know uh, he left uh, after two years to become the head coach of the Houston Texans, which says a lot about him and what he did with the Houston Texans. But you know, he made Matt McGloin a big, almost a household name. You know, at he Penn State, made him a pro. Uh, a walk-on quarterback, you know, that nobody wanted. And uh, so I think this guy does have some some big-time upside to him. The word I would use is collaborator, and I, th- yeah. I think that's what you're going to get. I, I think you, this is real popular in the NFL right now. Is is you? I mean, that's what Kevin Stefanski is trying to do with the Browns. And honestly, like I thought about Bill up there from the standpoint of his familiarity with Deshaun Watson and the success they had right. in Houston. So um, I, I thought about him there as well. From my understanding, Tim, and I'm curious if yours is similar or not, and if if not, fine. This was always Bill O'Brien was always who Ryan Day targeted and wanted. What do you? Is there something in their past? Um, and what what about Bill? Do you think Ryan was so was so intrigued by? I I will I will say this. I mean, because I haven't talked to talked to Ryan specifically about this, but when you got the idea a couple of weeks ago that uh, this that Bill O'Brien was not just on a list. He was near the top of the list uh, yeah. in a lot of respects because, you know, you got to – everything's a compromise, right? I mean, whether they were after Joe Brady or not, I mean, that was going to probably end up being, depending on how the Buffalo Bills uh, wind up here, that was probably going to end up being a, a bidding war that you probably weren't going to win, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of move on. That's why you have a list and not just one name, a target. But uh, I think what intrigues him is what is what I pointed out a minute ago. This guy has been trusted by the the greatest coaches to ever do it, you yeah. know. And uh, I think that says a lot. Okay, you know, bring him in. Let's see how this works. I mean, last year, this past season, was mediocre uh, for Ohio State in the in the Ryan Day tenure. Now I'm talking about going all the way back to 2017 when he showed up as the you know ipso facto offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach it was mediocre in terms of offensive production and there a lot of that uh, has to do with the way the offensive line did and didn't come along in, in certain ways bill o'brien uh, does have a does have more of a presence in that regard also of of being able to say i don't like the way this is being done to like justin fry or somebody you know sure. and uh and it's it's going to be interesting to watch it work because uh, you, you may not remember this, but at one of the press conferences last year and preseason, I asked uh, Cal McCord, "Well, you got you got Ryan Day sitting there, you got Corey Dennis, you've got uh, you've got Brian Hartline, the new offense coordinator, you got Todd Fritz, who's been rarely involved with the quarterbacks the last several years, especially you know, with C.J. Stroud, 
who do you listen to, you know, yeah. the most? And, uh, and basically he had a great political answer. He goes, well, you know, coach Ryan, you know, coach day, cause he was the head coach and he also ends up being the play caller. So I, I think it would be more defined who the quarterback is being coached by. Let's put it that way in this new realm. If in fact this comes, you know, comes to fruition, obviously hadn't been, at least my knowledge hasn't been officially uh, announced yet. So we'll see where it goes. This is, um, this is the most determined driven that I've seen in Ohio State offseason in my time here. That's yes. what happens when you lose three straight games to Michigan. That's what happens when you have the performance you had in the Cotton Bowl. Like it wasn't good enough. Everybody knows it. Ryan Day's been doggedly pursuing. I mean, it's amazing. He got everybody he wanted back. They weren't going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. back, but everybody else he wanted back, he got back on the roster. Yep. They've been incredibly aggressive in the transfer portal. He gets his quarterback. They're pursuing these Alabama players like crazy, including reportedly a guy who entered last night, Julian Sang, the five-star quarterback, number three quarterback in the country. Um, and so this is a perpetual roster building and improving thing. How aggressive can they be with those Alabama players? I guess I'll ask you directly about saying, like, They've got five. They got what four scholarship scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, how how aggressively will they pursue him? In this age, you go yeah. after anybody you can get, and if it's an upgrade, it's an upgrade. And then the the people sitting in that room already have to understand that that's this is what players wanted, right? They wanted this kind of freedom. Well, you got to accept both sides of it. And you know, a couple of years ago, I asked Ryan that you know uh, it was. Uh, uh, that question about the quarterback room they had then that, you know, included yeah. uh, Quinn Ewers finally, you know, take a snapshot because it's not going to be the same five months from now, you know, much less, uh, you know, in some respects, some guys just get up and leave in the middle of the season or whatever anymore. Uh, the bottom line is you, you are building rosters now uh, and you understand this, uh, Bo, you're building rosters now for the coming season, not for four yes, years from now. That's it. That's the, and you have to embrace that. Ryan Day and Mark Pantone and that group have embraced it. They have done, as, in my opinion, as good a job, if not better, than anybody else in the country over the last month, month and a half. Like I, like I keep saying, they're winning the month of January. I yeah. think, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien is going to, you know, that, that hire, if it comes to fruition, is going to rankle some people and some people are going to applaud it. Right now, I think it's a good move to add some stability uh, of w- the direction they want to go with this offense and not – be, become what would this past year would look more like a scatter shooting contest. I'll get you out of here on this one. You got about a minute, my friend, on this. Uh, Ross Bjork. Um, the name kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. We, I think a lot of us assumed, I mean, Pat, I know was interviewed, Pat Chun, uh, but, but Bjork, once that name surfaces, your thoughts when you initially hear the name and then your thoughts of his, his first press conference and kind of his first days with the job. Yeah, I'd heard the name uh, the week before, you know, or last week, uh, early last week. And uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind are two names, you know, I mean, uh, Jimbo Fisher and Hugh Freeze. Sure. I mean, that's the first mm-hmm. thing that comes to mind because that's the uh, that's what he's going. He asked. He had to explain. You heard me ask Ted Carter, mm-hmm. the president of Ohio State, you know, the, how did how did you get past the uh, Jimbo Fisher situation question? Mm-hmm. You know, he, goes, he said, I had a lot of questions about that. And uh, he answered uh, them. Here's the thing about. Ross Bjork, though, he is a forward-looking yep. uh, fellow who was at a place where, I'm telling you, the athletic director, I, I had buddies, good friends of mine, go to Texas A&M. There are guys who fly in on game days in their jets just to park along the, the runway there just to show who they are. You understand what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. It, this is a little bit different situation. But uh, Ross Bjork is still a little bit of an open book for me 
in the standpoint of running this bigger program in a that is basically steered in a totally different way. And uh, by that, I mean, yeah, he, he gave Jimbo Fisher a big-time contract because that's what the movers and shakers there wanted after that COVID yeah, year. Correct. And he got rid of him because those same movers and shakers said, well, that didn't work. <laughs> and uh, here's $75 million. Take care of this for us, Ross. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he's going to ever hear that, you know, ever hear that phrase at Ohio State. People just can't understand the money. They can't understand. No, it. the money Appreciate is stupid it. right now, Bo, and you know that, even I for do. guys like you. <laughs> <laughs> the great Tim May of the Tim May Show and Letterman Row, and right here at the fan. Thanks for your time, buddy, as always. Always a pleasure, man. You know that. All right, thing or not a thing up next. Bishop and Friends right here on the fan. Wake up with the fan. Eat lunch with the fan. Go to bed with the fan. Dream about the fan. Then change your sheets. Gross. Ew, you guys are gross, but stick around in case I don't find anyone else. The fan. Taking the art of sports radio and day drinking to a whole new level. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. All right, time for a little thing or not a thing. Hit it, fellas. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros. First up today, sports business newsletter writer Joe Pompliano. He had this. The 2026 World Cup final will be held at AT&T Stadium in Dallas, according to Martin Lipton. Dallas always made more sense than NYC or LA, an indoor stadium that seats 100,000 fans, an airport 15 minutes away, and good for most time zones. More details are expected next month. Thing or not a thing? Uh, I think it's a stupid thing. Uh, This is going to be played in the middle of the summer. Um, you're going to have to put grass in it. Um, I mean, when I think of soccer in America, I don't necessarily think of Dallas. So, you know, I mean, the last time we had it, it was at the Rose Bowl. Is where they played the World Cup final. And the problem is, is we really don't, I guess, what is the, what is the, what would be the example of the state-of-the-art natural grass field? Is it SoFi? It's probably SoFi. That's is probably. The Raiders are natural grass, right? Yeah, but it's smaller. You're right, it is. But I think I think that's it's smaller. Okay. Phoenix, Arizona is natural grass as well. SoFi to me feels like the one that would make the sense. Dallas like isn't LA. natural grass, right? They, they have turf, don't they? No, they're turf. Yeah, so they're gonna have to put in yeah. natural grass. So they're gonna have to put in grass for it so because they're not gonna benefit play the World from Cup. holding it there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not gonna play the World Cup final on turf, so you're gonna play it on grass. So to me, like SoFi probably made the most sense. Um, but Jera. Is Jera? Yeah, I mean, this is a thing in that. I mean, logistically, like you saw the videos with SoFi of it kind of leaking in the event of inclement yeah. weather. You know, Jera World doesn't have to deal with that, and Dallas is a major airport. That's, you know, I, I think for most fans who've traveled in a major metropolitan area, somewhat easier to get around than Los Angeles. So, the thing, it's a cool thing, but. It just is the so airport one, I think, is like to mention that it's 15 minutes away from the stadium because so SoFi. people aren't, well, but also people aren't going to fly in day of and <laughs> go to the World the Cup other thing, final. The other thing about it is like, if I've been to Jerry World, it's, I mean, the place is unbelievable, but it is kind of strip molly. Like, it's not in the Dallas. Middle of, it's yeah, not that's Dallas. The thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's out. Like, it's not, you don't feel like you're in a major metropolitan area. You feel like you're on, beside an interstate. Can, well, I wouldn't like. I wonder how many people will stay at like that little town they built. Is that up in that? Well, but that's area? a different place. Yeah, it's a whole. That's different... not where Jerry World is. That's a totally different venue. Yeah, yeah. It's strange. I I don't know. I think you got to play at open air. Is what you what I would say versus in a dome. I mean, World Cup final in a dome seems weird to me. Gianna Hahn of the Baltimore Banner spoke with Sarah Snyder, the Ravens' director of sports nutrition. 
Okay. Snyder revealed that this season, Ravens players consumed more than 7,500 Uncrustables, 6,200 sticks of beef jerky, 3,600 snack bars, 2,850 energy chews, 1,800 bags of sunflower seeds, and 460 energy bites. Energy Snyder bites. said she asks the team for special requests, and Uncrustables has been the hands-down favorite with the Baltimore Ravens. Thing or not a thing? Well, the first thing I thought of, maybe I shouldn't be so critical of Bootsy's diet, because this is basically what he eats. The Baltimore Ravens have the exact same diet as Bootsy. Does he work out as much as these professional athletes? No, but this is his. These are all his favorites. Uncrustables yeah. kills him. Snack bars, yep, sold. Beef jerky, a hundred percent. Energy chews. If I gave them to him, he'd absolutely pound them. He eats sunflower seeds, energy bites, all of those things. They all check off. By the way, um, Uncrustables. That's a, a Smucker's product. That's up in Northeast Ohio, Orville, and um, they built a plant specifically for Uncrustables. That's all it does. Like not the gel, like the jelly and all that. That's all on its own. But they built a plant just to make uncrustables because of how popular they are. This might be like an urban legend or something. But somebody said like when uncrustables first came out, they tried to like copyright the idea of peanut butter on both pieces of bread, like for the pocket <laughs> of it. I'm like, I don't really think you can yeah. get away with that. We had that with the Cheryl's cookies and stuff here in Columbus. Yeah. They. She made a second cookie company, right? The Cheryl's one is a second. Yeah. And they like tried to be like, the, her chocolate chip cookie recipe is so similar. And it's like, yeah, it's chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> man. What are you, are you kidding? That's the recipe for it. I'm uh, always most nervous about the bread and the Uncrustables. Every time I see a kid eating it, I'm like, there's yeah, something pliable about ones. that bread. Are we sure that's bread? Oh, you're worried. Not even that it's just like the sugary white bread, bread, just that what actually is it? What is that exactly? Yeah, you can make, they make little tools that you can make homemade Uncrustables. So maybe get that for Bootsy and you can, you can press it in and do that. It doesn't surprise me though that Uncrustables is number one because they're just small enough that I'm assuming NFL players are eating them in two bites. Because one thing I've learned about being around athletes here, especially the one that sits in the chair across from me or next to me in the other show. Yeah. I've seen him like eat a, like a pork, like a pork chop or a chicken breast. And it's like three bites. Yes, it, they just they just go for it, and so yeah, an uncrustable is definitely a two bite, maybe even one bite operation for some of these professional athletes. The Washington Post Je- posts Jesse Doherty with this checking in from the eleventh congressional hearing on NIL and such things. The hearing started a few minutes ago, and we've already had two go blues and one ref- one reference to the Wild West. He also added UCLA quarterback Chase Griffin will testify in Thursday's hearing on NIL. According to multiple people familiar with the situation, Griffin has been super successful with NIL and is a staunch advocate for college athletes' rights and revenue sharing. Should be very compelling, and I added that part because. He was kind of the star of the show as far as like the mm-hmm. athletes that were up there. So then Sports Business Journal, he, Ben Portnoy, he passed this one along. Representative Lori Trahan asked UCLA quarterback Chase Griffin, quote, which group of people, which group of people do athletes trust the least? End quote. Are you sorting out NIL issues? Griffin responded, Congress. <laughs> thing or not a thing? Same, Griff. On all fronts. Trust them the least on everything. Cong- yes, sold. Well said, sir. You've, your job here is done well. Yeah, it's it's an incredible thing that every single year, maybe sometimes even multiple times in a year, the eleventh one they've done, they go in front of this congressional, they go in front of any congressional body that wants to score stupid, weird political points, yeah. and they get nothing done, but they waste money and they waste time, and so that's a, one of the uh, many reasons why Ross Bjork's comments and. 
He was on with Morning Juice this morning. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen or go find it wherever you do your podcasting. It's such, it's so refreshing. I and mean, it's a breath yeah. of fresh air in where college athletics is to hear a guy like Ross Bjork want to be on the attack rather than on this kind of crap that we hear again on a week, on a yearly basis. Oh, we hear yeah, it's all the time for sure. Speaking of Ross Bjork, he is one of the things we learned this week. A very different attitude for the Buckeyes athletic and, quite honestly, university going forward. We will get into that in what we learned. Shelly time at 1133. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The Fan is live and local with morning juice. Caffeinate and dominate. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9. The Fan, Ohio sports destiny. Sports conversation that's worthy of a toast. Or at least a stiff drink. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. All right, final hour on what has been a very busy week. What did we learn? Quite a bit. Hit it, fellas. We're not trying to do too much around here, but over the course of five days, you might have gleaned some stuff. Bishop and Friends present what we've learned this week. I I think the number one thing that, that I learned is that there is a very different direction. There are very different marching orders there is a very different way of going about the business of running the Ohio State University and the Ohio State Athletic Department. And we have talked about this a lot. Um, it's something that I've wanted for a long time. And this is the full now, I think, with the hiring of Ross Bjork, the SEC-ification of the Ohio State program, athletically. And we talk about football primarily. And football will do very well with this type of mindset. We've lamented how football has been something where Ohio State has, I think, have, I've always felt has been a little bit too good of a partner with everybody else and has allowed for really a, a, a kind of a voice with everybody else in the Big Ten. This feels like, and this started honestly with Ted Carter being hired as a president. Previous three hires, president of Ohio State, Gordon Gee, Michael Drake, Kristen Johnson, all from academia, all with the idea of raising the academic standards at Ohio State and trying to make Ohio State uh, on par with, with the great public universities in the country. And a lot of that coincides with Jim Tressel and the success. We talk about the front porch. The athletic department is the most visible, the front porch of the university. It's the first thing that you see. It's what's most omnipresent. Well, Ohio State smartly used that to make it a much more prestigious academic institution over the last 20, 25 years. Um, and, And every president they had hired was with that in mind. Ted Carter was the first. He's a naval man. He's a fighter pilot, Naval Academy at Nebraska. That was kind of the first maybe hint that that we were headed in a different direction. And then the hiring of Ross Bjork really cemented that. And what we got in his press conference this week was a guy saying, this is where we're headed. And he was on Morning Juice this morning. We played some clips for you. Flat out acknowledging we're headed for revenue sharing and we need to be at the forefront of that. We've never had that type of dialogue from leadership at Ohio State, uh, acknowledging where the sport is headed. I was listening to him with the guys this morning. I think he said student-athletes a couple of times, but it wasn't like it was every other sentence like we're used to around here. So this is a sea change in direction. It is a, a sea change in where you're going. It's an aggressive play. I'm for all of it. Uh, we've been calling for all of it for a long time. And, yes, there will be certain things on, maybe at the that, that you don't pay as much attention to could be could be, get sacrificed in all of this. But the thing we care most about is football. It's men's basketball. It's a revenue-generating sports. Those things are going to be lifted by this. And this is this is the biggest change that we've seen philosophically at Ohio State since I've been here going back to 07. 
So, yeah, when he says student-athlete, probably just more, because I still say it sometimes, even though we know the the reality of it. But it's not something that's underlined in a point that he's trying to make. It's just the the word he used. I said yesterday that Ohio State is, you know, the preeminent athletic department in college sports. It's time they start acting like it. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing from Ted Carter in his first major move just a couple of weeks in to his tenure as president at Ohio State as he went in there and he said... Same idea as you, I'm assuming, that like, yeah, what's the most visible thing for these large universities? When people think of Ohio State, they think of the football program and then an extension of that, the athletics as a whole. No, it's not the most profitable thing. We all know that that's the hospital. But as far as the actual, like what people think of, you want that to be positive in their in their head. And how do you do that? By competing at all these sports that you have. Because if you, if you have just football, that's great. But if you can get it to a point where all the other ones are competitive, and we were talking about some of those back-end sports of the 36 varsity sports, and those ones win a lot of national championships. Of course, Ohio State football is always at the top of their competition. But in the middle, the ones that are still more serious sports that do get televised that people pay attention to, Ohio State hasn't been as competitive at those. Not all of them. Some of them have. Wrestling has been good. Uh, like women's hockey has been really good recently. Yeah. But, it would be, but it would be nice to get yeah, those, yeah. those up a little bit more. And that's the SEC mentality because that's what they did. They said, wow, look at all this extra money we have. Well, let's make all of our sports good. And what, have, what has the SEC done in the last five years? college bat like their basketball programs have become really big but then also the softball the baseball those kind of sports and can ross bjork bring that up here to ohio state i think he's going to try we also learned um something uh, on wednesday that he reiterated uh this morning on morning juice that his tenure starts on july 1st the major decisions let's be clear gene smith is the athletic director if he needs my help I am here to advise. I am here to guide based on my experience, whatever that might be. If there's major decisions, then I, he and I will make those jointly. But Gene's the athletic director. He deserves to to go out the right way and right off into the sunset, and we're going to celebrate him. And I know there's a, there's a special concert for him that's in June that's going to be really cool. So just a lot of uh, activity to get to know the place. And you guys heard. Decisions, major decisions jointly mm-hmm. was important there, too. I think. Yeah. So, you, you know, you think about the major decisions. So as an athletic director, we this, go, this, goes, this is just the way that it is, kids. The things you're known for are building buildings and hiring football and men's basketball coaches. Those are the things that you're known for. And those are the things that you are remembered for overall, right? That, it, you know, from the, from the average Ohio State fan, those are the things that you care about most. Can you build big, good buildings, and do you hire good coaches? And it feels like Ross Bjork and Gene from Ross said on Juicy he's going to be here in March, so he's going to kind of co-athletic direct with Gene. Gene's the boss, but he'll be here learning the place, all of those things. Um, but that come July two, July one, whenever he starts, then it's obviously his operation. Um, will will those hell? We, are you going to have to make a decision like that? You know, if the basketball team goes into another swoon again, is that something that comes to the forefront of this? Yeah, it could. Um, big picture, I, I, you know, we kid about the shoe. That that really does have to be. I mean, that's you the guys critical kid. building building that has to be sorted out. Eventually, I think there's got to be something done with the shot. Um, and the I, I don't know what that is. Too. too. Yeah, annihilate that thing. Get I don't Top know. Gun Ted. See if he can get some ordnance. 
Get an F-18. And, you know, make a show of it. They've been trying for years to keep updating the Woody. I wonder if that is eventually going to just be it's a, great a new point. building. There's it's a reason a that the press conference, because you heard the acoustics, they weren't that great. There's a reason it was in the Cavelli Center yesterday. Yes. Or Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a, it's a great point on the Woody. They do need a new football facility. It needs to be state-of-the-art. They have retrofitted the Woody the best they can, um, but it's not on par with the other places. With what Texas A&M is building not, or currently no. building, yeah. <clears throat> no. Now, the problem is is some of the people who used to be the big people who would write those checks either aren't around anymore or In the association <laughs> isn't anything you want anymore. So that's that's the tricky spot that, that Ohio State's going to be in when it comes to fundraising and making those things work out. Um, but he's got big jobs on his hand um, coming forward. And he and wants that, too, which is nice. For sure. <laughs> and I think the most the, my favorite thing of the whole week was just how forthright he was and how forward-looking he was on the sport and seeming to be wanting to be a very willing participant in shaping the future of the sport. That is something we have craved and and Gene has done a great job of that too, but I also felt like Gene reached the point where all right, I've done this a long time. I don't want to deal with this because this is a 5-year fight and I'm good. I, and he should. He deserves it. And and it's this this now is going to be a young man's game this fight that's coming with rewriting the future of college athletics. And Bjork feels like he wants to be at the forefront of it. Yeah, it's just one of those toothpaste out of the out of the bottled situations, yeah. out of the tube, and you, you can't put it back in. So now you have to come in and clean it up. And Ross Bjork seems like somebody who not only wants to clean it up, but use the toothpaste however he can to help Ohio State be stronger and better in their athletic endeavors going forward. He, also- he, wants, he wants to design a new thing to carry the toothpaste. <laughs> he wants a new toothbrush. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, all of it. Another thing, he's all about that drip. The most important thing, though, Bobby, is I heard you talking about drip and fit. <laughs> the, mo- the most important thing will be going to the equipment room, probably on a daily basis, because my kids are going to be like, Dad, hey, I saw you know, Marvin Harrison had these cleats. You know, I saw Will Howard you know, had these uh, pair of uh, uh, sleeves on his uh, – you know, workout clothes or whatever. They're going to want all the drip and gear. So I think our kids are going to get along pretty well. It's pretty good that he has full, he's going to have full use of the drip. I mean, the perks of the the job. Yeah. Raid the drip. That's pretty good. Uh, That's a funny bit right there. No, I love the hire. Very impressive first week on the job. We had, the other thing we learned is that Ryan Day had his eyes on Bill O'Brien all along. He was the apple of his eye and he got him. He landed the plane on this. Starting to hear whispers about this towards the end of last week. Uh, early this week, um, really cemented it. I mentioned it yesterday on the show that that he was a name that was being coveted. He was at the top of Ryan Day's list in terms of who he wanted to come in here and and be the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Um, it tells me that Ryan acknowledges that in this world of college football, he was wearing too many hats. And the the one thing that you just think about just from a you think about the loss of Kevin Wilson. And what Kevin Wilson was as a guy who was a previous head coach, the amount of things that he could have and handle administratively, the amount of things that he could handle on a game day, he he missed that tremendously. And now he gets that back in Bill O'Brien. This will be, I'm certain, 
a two-year window at most, maybe three tops, and and Bill will provide that. He will also, I'm sure, mentor Brian Hartline and get Brian in a position to when Bill moves on to the NFL, Brian can step right in as the offensive coordinator and actually call the plays and do all of the things that are required of that. Um, I, I, I understand the, the pushback of it. I, to a point, I think a lot of it is really silly. Um, this guy is more than capable of doing this job at a very high level, and it's somebody that Ryan wanted all along. It's somebody who's most recently hired by Saban and Belichick. They know what they're doing. So uh, this is something that, that they wanted. They got, and it caps an incredible month of January for Ohio State that saw their rivals win a national title, but they've won everything off the field. They've won all of it, and it's not done. They could be in on the five-star quarterback, Julian Sayan, who got in the transfer portal last night out of Alabama. Caleb Downs could be coming up here to visit with him today. So there could be even a bigger talent infusion into the operation. They have to call that kid Super Saiyan. Somebody has to have said that before. A Dragon yeah. Ball Z reference, Bo, if you, if you <laughs> I don't didn't, know. I didn't get the reference. No, thank you for, for giving me it. Uh, well, another thing I'm excited about with the Bill O'Brien hire, and you know, to go with you, like, Yes, nothing is guaranteed, but there are a lot more pros than there are cons to the Bill O'Brien hire. I, I would agree with that. And the other thing, and this isn't, it's because Ryan Day was still taking on so much of the offensive job that it didn't feel the same way that like when Jim Knowles talks, we feel like, okay, let's get an insight on the defense yeah. and where they stand. When Brian Hartline talked last year, you didn't get that because you knew that Ryan Day was so intertwined. And I think from Bill O'Brien, it will feel a lot more like getting like this guy is in charge of the offense and what's going on on that side of the ball when he speaks. And so that will be refreshing to have another voice on that, that we, we know is somebody who's actually that hands on with it. And that's not supposed to be an insult to Brian Hartline or anything. It's just not the way the job was divvied up this past year, even though we had hopes that it might be, it did not end up being that way. And Ryan retained all the play calling and just another helpful I mean, I mean, in terms of like the offensive play callings there, but just he's been the CEO position at yeah. several stops. And so this is just another person that you can lean on or the hope is that you can lean on him for making CEO type decisions, whether it's yeah. if, if you bring in set the Super Saiyan and he's got to compete. And what's Air Nolan think about this? It, it's Bill and Ryan can be there to say, look best man's going to win this this is how things go in the big city you wanted to commit here now you need to commit to the competition like handling those types of egos is a tough job for one person and now here's another guy who's got pedigree to make that argument i'd say a little more palatable as i don't think you'll ever be as ill prepared in the quarterback room as they were this year that's done you just can't i mean they were ill prepared at quarterback this year yes that will not happen again that was a joke in the cotton bowl as we were real quickly as we're talking about the super say and the quarterback transferring out of bama and like oh bama you know they're they're still going to have to add some guys somebody tweeted about this and i had forgotten about this in the spring window sec to sec schools aren't allowed in transfers that's an sec rule so Bama can't go to other SEC rosters, even if guys enter the portal, and take those guys in the May window. Oh, gosh. That makes it even tougher. Kalen DeBoer, is gonna, it, this could be a tough year, tough first year for him down there. Um, NFL playoff picture, get you set for the other three. We did the Texans and the Ravens. We'll talk about the other three games. Shelly time coming up at 1133. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place. This is your heritage sports talker and home of Ohio State Athletics, the fan, Ohio's sports destination. Drink recommendations, movie reviews, sports discussion, and whatever the hell Reeser does. This is Bishop and Friends. NFL Divisional Weekend is here. We talked about C.J. Stroud and the uh, Texans taking on the Ravens. 
in the game on Saturday afternoon. That will kick it off. Uh, you're going to get a Saturday nighter that's going to be the Packers and the 49ers. And then Sunday in the afternoon, you're going to get Bucks and Lions. And then Sunday late afternoon, early evening, you will get, I think, what, and the reason it's in this spot is because it's the one that's going to do the biggest number. You'll get the Bills and the Chiefs in Buffalo. Um, I guess let's start there with the, with the Bills and the Chiefs. I, I mean, this is a... It's right now for Buffalo, isn't it? I mean, I, to me, they have the most pressure guys of any team. I think second is eighth on this thing. Um, they, they are in a position where they've knocked on the door. They've been the betting favorite to win it. And yet at the same time, they haven't. This is the first time they've had it at their place and, and you have to take full advantage of it. And so to me, even more than Baltimore, I think Baltimore seems more even sustainable than Buffalo. Like this feels like right now with this incarnation of the Bills, Right now is the moment where they have to take advantage. I, I think they will. I, I do. I think that this Chiefs team is a little bit flawed. Um, but I think it's the matchup most people are looking forward to. And I think it's the one with the most pressure. Josh Allen will field a lot of that pressure. He was available this week. Obviously, they are very used and accustomed to playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's what he had to say about that. Played them every year for the last, I think, four or five years. So I think it's two teams that are very familiar with each other. So the wrinkles that they put in, that we put in, that we adjust to, you know, those are going to be key to to winning this game so again just trying to come in here and be as prepared as possible for game day on the other side of this patrick mahomes playing his first road playoff game here is mahomes on that kind of just is what it is um obviously i've been lucky enough to play a lot of games at home at arrowhead stadium kind of just everything's fell that way um but now we get a great opportunity to go on the road play in a hostile environment one that i haven't been able to play with fans in the stands um and even though i know it's gonna be hostile and it's gonna there there gonna be people talking trash and everything like that i'm excited for it because it's one of the best environments in football and you want to do that when you grow up watching these games is playing the best environments and see what it's like not only has Mahomes never played a road playoff game in his career, but he really has never played at Buffalo. They played once at Buffalo in his career, and it was him and Josh Allen. So this is the, specifically the Josh Allen and him competition, yeah. but it was in 2020, so there were no fans. And oh, as we yeah. know from internet videos, the Bills fans are kind of a different monster. So to play at the Bills you know, in the regular season with no fans is very different than a playoff game with Bills Mafia in attendance. They've played six times, and five of those have been in Kansas City. They've split them three and three, but Mahomes is two and zero oh in the playoffs, while Josh Allen is three and one in the regular season. Obviously, yeah. you'd rather have the playoff record, sure. and it's that's the thing. It's just so hard to go against Mahomes. It does feel like both. You're right about the pressure being mounting for Buffalo. It's like this is the year, go and do it. But they're also at the same time the hottest team in they the are. NFL, which they're I don't know how often those two coincide. Yeah, I don't think there's. Month. I, I'm interested to see with Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. There's not a ton of pressure. It doesn't feel like there's a ton of pressure on them right now. Kansas City? Right now. No, none. But if you like, so they say they lose Sunday. Yeah. And you come up Monday, they'll be the story though, right? Like what happened with the Chiefs? It's such a weird juxtaposition, I think. That you're going they just into this won the game. Super Bowl, though. We're all expecting them to lose, but when they lose, we'll, it's like, we'll oh, question what's it. What's wrong with them? Like, <laughs> I don't think anything's necessarily wrong with them. Um, but this this is just one of those things where all of the pressure feels like it's on Buffalo for any of the teams really yeah. that are in the postseason right now. It's it's Buffalo's got to do this. Everybody else feels like, oh, that's good if you get it done. Yeah. Um, and for Mahomes, it's like if he can get out early and quiet Bills Mafia. That'll be a real interesting scene at Orchard Park. Well, they also, I saw again, they were asking like the Bills people to come and shovel snow. 
And like last week they were complaining because there weren't enough of them. Instead of paying them 20 bucks an hour, pay them a thousand an hour and see how many show up. You're already asking them to shovel your tax dollars for your right. new stadium. Like, like how much shoveling do you want these guys to do? Just pay more. I'm sorry. You want it's, more people. Yeah, it's not pay $500 worth $20 an hour. It's not worth $20 an hour. No. That's hard ridiculous. work. It's brutal. Like make, give them 500 an hour and see how many people show up to, to shovel snow for crying out loud. Um, out West, uh, Saturday night will be the Packers and 49ers. I think there is a ton of pressure on Kyle Shanahan. The difference though being that I think everybody expects them to win. Um, they are kind of the most complete team in all of this. Um, they just have to get all the way there. It's the only thing he hasn't done is actually win it. Um, it'll be a major challenge for Matt LaFleur, but I also feel like from the standpoint, like it's kind of house money for them. They're so far ahead. They want a playoff game at Dallas. Now, the one thing he can do is he can sort out the Niners curse because he's lost twice to them in the playoffs. LaFleur did address the challenge of placing the 49ers. Here's what he had to say. Well, they got many challenges. They've got... First of all, I, you know how much respect I have for just their their overall scheme, but they do a great job of, of mixing and, and keeping you off balance in, in terms of their ability to run the football. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, they got a great offensive line. Purdy has played at an MVP level. And then you have the receivers. Also, you have Kittle in there. So it's a well-balanced offense. you got, you got to do something to kind of take them off their game somehow, some way. That's going to be the, our challenge. Well balanced, take them off their game. The problem is you take them off one of their games and they have another the game they can go to. And if you somehow stop two, they have a third game they can go yeah. to. Yeah, with They're that Matt good. Caffrey guy. <laughs> yeah. Caught himself, but yeah. still funny. Yeah, McCaffrey will end up being an NFL Offensive Player of the Year, I think is the way that that thing will shake out. Which so, I picked at the beginning of the season. There you go. Chops, Pat you on the back. Medals yeah, in the mail. I think anytime you can tell tell yourself a great year, you got to do it. No one else is going to spike the football for you. Bucks at Lions is the Sunday 3 o'clock game. Like this is uh, the Lions are America's team, are they not? Aren't they the easiest to root for? All the history, all the futility, Dan Campbell. They Doesn't it check they don't have every any star. Box? Like their quarterback isn't a star that you're like tired of always being no. there in any way. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're the one that everybody's rooting for. There's a lot of familiarity here. Um, Dan Campbell and everything that they did up there with Spiels in the mix. And then, of course, John Dorsey, who was the GM with the Browns. Um, this is a football guys team, but then they also have a nice blend of analytics and that they're one of the most aggressive teams on fourth down where the numbers say to do that. Um, so they've kind of checked every box. They've defied some logic with their draft and all of it's worked. And and now here you are with Detroit who waited forever to have a home playoff game, now getting their second. Jared Goff, who was sent aside by Sean McVay so that they could pull up and, and get Matthew Stafford. It worked. They won a Super Bowl. And now Goff is kind of the center of attention in Detroit. He spoke this week about how important this run has been for the city. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, we've been saying it all year. It's about this team. It has nothing to do with the last 30 years here. And obviously that's the, the case for the city and the fans and a lot of you guys. But to us, it's about us. Winning games and being in a spot now in the playoffs where we can continue our season every week. Have those chances is, is important. Baker Mayfield on the other side of it. John Dorsey, of course, drafted him. Uh, he is the, the head of, I think he's the head of player personnel or the head scout for the, for the Lions now. Would know him obviously very, very well. Uh, Mayfield was sensational last week in the opener. Um, you want to talk about turning back into a pumpkin? Is this where that happens? We'll find out. Here's Mayfield on the threat and the hostility that will await him at Ford Field. Just talking to some of those Rams guys, they said it was the loudest thing they've ever heard. So we got to be completely ready for that. It just comes down to everybody knowing exactly what our game plan is, all the calls to and from, because there could be certain times that they might not hear certain things. They might have to plug and play some of the words. Um, so just everybody doing the mental work to get get prepped for that. But it shouldn't be a surprise to us. It, it's going to be a great atmosphere. Reese, you got to give that kid credit. I mean, his career yeah. was in the gutter, man. It was done. 
you know, cut uh, by Carolina. A lot of times with you know success, you've got to go through it, right? Yeah. And so I wonder and hope that him getting you know thrown out of Cleveland and thrown out of Carolina and then picked up by Los Angeles, but only as we need something as in case of yeah. emergency break glass. And then him finally catching on or what looks to be catching on here with Tampa Bay. It's like, okay, well, he maybe had to go through all of that because out of Oklahoma, he wasn't this Baker Mayfield. So, yes, I am rooting for Baker this weekend. Any quarterback that's ever like really gone through it like that and then ended up being the franchise quarterback. I'm saying like Tannehill technically like got to that at Tennessee. That's probably maybe the closest one, but he didn't have as many stops in between. Where, where was he before? Uh, Miami and Tennessee. Miami, And he was really good in Miami. J- Baker was good at times in Cleveland. I, I forgot Tannehill was in Miami yeah, until first yesterday. Round pick. First round pick of them. No, I, I think for Bake, and he could turn this into a two or three year thing. Like he could quarterback the Bucks for for a couple of years here as they go because th- they're going to go through a major roster transition. Yeah. Um, that's what I mean by franchise quarterback. I don't think Baker's ever going to reset no. the quarterback market with the thing, oh, but they're gonna, he's not going to play ten years in Tampa. But they'll put him on yeah, a, a little multi year deal, and he'll be considered their starter. You know, give him the Burrow deal, <laughs> fifty five million for Baker. Yeah, nothing like that. Jackets back in action tonight at home. Last time you're going to see him for a very very long time. Get you set with Shelly time coming up next. Bishop and friends right here on the fan. The only radio station still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The Fan. Ohio sports destination. Drop the gloves. It's Shelly time. Sponsored by Schottenstein Roofing. Proud partner of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Jackets hosting Devils tonight. Last time you're going to see them for a minute as uh, they hit the road. Won't be back in town until February 10th. Um, we'll get to all of that in a second. Rink up operational? Got to be. This has got to be, you got to be heaven out there, right? Oh, it's, yeah. It's mid-season form out there. It's perfect. And it's only going to get better. Sunday looks like a a beautiful skating day. So, yeah, the kids have been out there uh, morning and night. And today's a snow day. So, perfect. They're back out there today. So, yeah, that's why you put it up. Yeah, I'm the Zamboni. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you make it smooth? It's an art. Um, so what you do is you just you just hook up the garden hose because okay. you know that water's a little warmer than you'd think. Like it's mm-hmm. you know compared to the weather we we're having, it's it, it's it's perfect temperature. So then you do, I just have a really long uh, garden hose and I just start at one end and just kind of just let that come out nice and easy out of that hose and just push it across the water and just back up across the ice, back up, back up. And that thing pops and cracks. And my neighbors must think I'm crazy at like two in the morning when I'm out there doing it, but it's very peaceful. Uh, I think so, it, and it it's does always, sound that way. It is. And then in the morning, the kids get up and they love it. So, and sometimes I'll get, I'll hook it up to the hot water tank, bring it out of the basement, the hot water. Mm-hmm. And that thing just steams and that just melts all those little bumps. I might do that tonight. Gosh. And then it's perfect. Yeah, I, that seems therapeutic. I like that. I might, I might have to think about trying to do something like this. I like the idea of, of forming ice yeah. and such. That feels like a win, buddy. Um, Get out we there. Got, we got a win last time out in overtime. Uh, Elvis was in net. It does feel like they've put in that at least for the time being behind them. It was. It seems like everybody's kind of marching in the same direction a little bit, and and that's a lot of credit to, to Pascal Vincent for being able to navigate what was kind of a tricky spot. 
Yeah, and a win is, um, you know, it's amazing what a win does, and especially against a good team. You know, like everybody wants to feel good about their efforts. So that's that's the nature of athletes or anyone in any business. And so they come out the other night at home, and, you know, that situation was what it was. And you could tell that Elvis had a lot of pressure on himself, which, as expected, he put it on himself. And he got the win. So, you know, and then you have a few days with no games. And it's amazing the energy, uh, how positive people are, uh, the feeling around the locker room, how guys carry themselves. And you're right, that, that kind of puts that away. So that's what they're in this for, right? This, uh, Pascal goes through all these processes, and, and until you get a victory to stamp and a kind of a approval of what you're doing, uh, you're still kind of preaching to, to the team that this is how we have to do it. And these are the non-negotiables and things that we don't accept here. And, and he's done it right from day one. So, you know, the, the more wins they can get, the less noise you're here, I guess, is what really is the, the moral of the story. And, and this team right now seems like they're coming together. Yeah, it does a little bit. And, um, you know, you think about coming together. And we got New Jersey tonight, and, and the fans will be great because that's what they do, right? It's, it's an incredible yeah. fan base, and it's going to be a great one tonight. New Jersey's one of the better teams, and, so, you know, that, that obviously a huge challenge. But you talk about things coming together, Jode. How galvanizing can this Western trip be when you talk yeah. about – Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, all west, and then you got St. Louis coming back. But you're talking about you're going to spend the better part of two weeks kind of together on the road, bunkered in. Have you seen teams come together and, and kind of get all in the same direction on that? Absolutely. I mean, this team has not been on a long road trip yet. Yeah. And I don't know. You can go team building and – create situations and, you know, get the guys together. And and a lot of businesses do that. But in, when you get on a good Western swing with a team and you're out in the mountains and, you know, you're in different Canadian markets and the guys are together and it's just, it's just something special about it. You're in the hotel together. You're, you're on the plane together, playing cards, those guys that play cards, watching movies, whatever you're doing. And just kind of time with your buddies. And, and it's a time that, uh, you know, without, other things going out at home where guys, you know, can't go to dinner because the kids have practice or, you know, there's school, whatever it is. So it really brings guys together and it's about knowing each other. And, and so you get to connect with some people in different ways. And I think they're going to take advantage of this. I look at this trip as, you know, I know they're well out of the playoffs, but for this organization and what they're trying to build, and I look at what the Vancouver Canucks have done from last year to this year, it, it really is pulling a team together that has make, made them a different team. And I think the Blue Jackets have an opportunity here, especially if they're playing well, uh, to go out and learn, learn a few things about themselves. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I we, – we talked about Sillinger last time you were coming on and Fantilli playing, taking on the role, first-line first, first line center, all that comes with that. It seems like those young kids – and you mentioned this earlier, and it added so much perspective. Like, they've already played more games than they would have oh, yeah. played – Ever, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. but it does feel like they they they're kind of have their sea legs under them. Those young kids that are going to be part of the, the 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 really the center of this organization going forward. Yeah, yeah, I think Fantilli's hit a wall. I, I really do. I think, do and that's okay. the reason why. Yeah, I, I think that, and it's something he probably doesn't notice right now. Like he, he's, you know, when you're on top of your game and you have that jump in your step and and everything is coming easy. It's just automatic, you know what I mean? And he has that extra gear that, that when he gets to it, it, it's hard to slow him down. But when you see him, like, bobble a puck or get frustrated in a play, it, it's because, yeah, he's played a lot of hockey. He's had a lot of practices. He's grinded against the top players of the league. And, and 
it's just at some point it has to catch up with them. Now this week might have helped them, where it was you know a couple practice days, uh, not a game in sight, more of a college week, um, and there's a break coming up. So these are all positives, but it's to be expected. There is a grind of the game that a veteran player understands that you kind of just roll through it. And when you're a young guy, you think it never comes, and you never know when it does, and you don't figure it out until you go through it, and then you're like, oh, that's why I was struggling at that point. So. I think he might have hit a little bit of a wall here. We'll see if he's out of it tonight. Um, yeah. But it's just because we've seen such energy and such pop in the way he plays, um, and it's to be expected. Yeah, certainly is. Uh, Devils tonight. Uh, wh- where will your eyes go? Go ahead. I got. I got to tell you one thing. Go ahead. We just had a fantasy camp here that culminates today with a scrimmage. Okay. Uh, Eleven alumni, twenty-two yep. guys signed up, and we just spent two days and two nights with these guys. Um, so we have like Rick Nash, myself, uh, Mike Sillinger, John Luke Rompier, 11 of us. We're all split up into two teams and we've been hanging with our teams. And this afternoon, in about 45 minutes, we're back on nationwide ice to play against each other. So big day here for that. Who's on your team? Who's on your team? Okay. Derek Dorsett, Jared Bull, me, John Luke Rompier. Uh, we got the heads, Chris Clark. Holy smokes. Yeah. And they got Nash Johnson, um, cylinder who doesn't shut up. We got, uh, <laughs> we, we, we got, we had a good crew. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. And you the guys devils, are like the broad street bullies. Yeah. We have the, we, we're going to grind them. We're yeah. going to grind them. Yeah. yeah. Bobby Clark so coming out. Having the time. Bring no, him in. Bobby Clark. <laughs> we got Doris. <laughs> Doris. Doris. He's ready. Is a, He's ready. He's ready to light up somebody. So there's just these guys, average. Like the campers want to get hit by these guys. Like they want to get run over by Why? Uh The goalies want to save, make a save on Rick Nash. Oh, they, it's the experience. So just, just so I them. understand this, average Joes signed up yep. to play with you yep. guys, and then they want you to beat them up? Well, I don't know if we can beat them up. We didn't put that in the waiver, so... <laughs> We'll just rough him up a little bit. <laughs> Any chance you drop the gloves with Sillinger? Because all I've heard about this all week is he's run his mouth all week. Yeah, yeah, there's a good chance. He took a run of me yesterday in practice and was laughing. Okay. But he got a good chuckle. But today, he's, he's going to be, uh, he's going to get it. I hope, is someone recording this? Can can this be on the pregame tonight? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be recorded, yeah. Okay, yeah, I would love to see, I, I look forward to that tonight on the pregame uh, between the Jackets and Devils. And and after that, my friend, enjoy your trip out west. Uh, always would be one that I always tell Jacket fans, if you ever do, if you ever want to like go on the road with the Jackets, do this one. Do the do the Calgary, oh, Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, that's the one to do. So, uh, awesome. good stuff. Enjoy it, buddy. We're going to enjoy it. Yeah, we will. Thanks, Paul. Have a great day. Yeah, you too, pal. The great Jody Shelley with a little bit of Shelley time. Ohio State, uh, while we were talking to Jody, officially announcing the Bill O'Brien hire, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, Brian Hartline continuing as co-offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach. And then Corey Dennis will stay within the program. He's transitioning into a still-to-be-determined role within the program. So there was thought that he would be shown the door. Um, he's not going to be the quarterback coach anymore, but he's still within the program or still to be determined as the official release from Ohio State on that. Three things on a very busy Friday coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Your home for the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, and crew. And our sincere apologies for common man singing Creed songs. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Distilled sports discussion served in light beer quantities. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. 
Tyrese, what do you have in the poll? Daily Fan Poll sponsored by ER Auto Care, Masters of Our Craft. Today's Daily Fan Poll asks, what are your thoughts on the Buckeyes' now official hiring of offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien? I'm thrilled, solid choice, could have been better, bad hire. 63% of respondents say solid choice, 17% say could have been better, 10% say I'm thrilled, 8% say bad hire. Good lord. I suppose any hire could be better, (laughs) technically. They're all good hires, Bront. You want Kyle Shanahan to be the offensive coordinator? At Ohio State. That's what they should have um, done. Is he busy? Is he busy? Bring He's got something to do this weekend? Mike McDaniel's or? not doing anything. His yeah, team's out of the playoffs. Bring him up. Sure. Hit the three things for God's sake. One, two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. All right, number one for me. I'm told Bill O'Brien is in the building and is uh, a shot in the arm. A ton of energy and uh, brings an NFL, very much an NFL perspective to the position. Um, and I'm, I'm just, how could you be so cynical to say that this is a bad hire? I mean, this is this is a guy who an NFL team entrusted. He had great success well, at the time that he was there. He's 52 and 48 as the coach of the Houston Texans. Led him to divisional playoffs. He oversaw Penn State in its most difficult time. He recruited Christian Hackenberg, a five-star quarterback, to Penn State coming out of a season where they had incredible scholarship reductions and where they were on probation for something that none of those kids had anything to do with. And he went 8-4 and five, eight and four and 7-5 and five in two years there. Folks, Nick Siciliano used to have this post. You understand? We, If you're complaining about this, you, maybe the problem's you. First one for me, and I'm sure people go through this, and some of it's refreshing because December is such a whirlwind, but life just becomes a little less interesting in the winter, especially after the holidays. And so that kind of goes back to Bo's point. You know, you've talked about the northern cities. That's why they're so into their sports team. So I'm happy that I'm going to that women's basketball game on Sunday. I get to see the Ohio State women's basketball team take on Iowa and Caitlin Clark, so a chance to see her in person. That will be the highlight of my week. Without it, because of winter and pulling things down, it probably would have been that we got pizza last night so i'm glad that i get a better highlight of the week is j did you have to ask j-lo if because you're going on a pat press pass you're going by yourself mm-hmm. did you have to get permission because it's basically like you're going on a date with caitlin clark she said go and see your precious caitlin i said i am i said i think i, think I, I even did reference it that way that like yeah. what if caitlin clark like talks to me <laughs> First thing for me, uh, after his appearance this morning on Morning Juice, some are questioning whether Ross Bjork is tough enough to lead an athletic department in the cold, frigid north. Here he is talking about his return to college college station excuse me, and having to go for a run this morning. It's cold here. I went for a run a little bit ago, and it's about 34 degrees, which is cold here. So I had gloves stocking cap. I didn't have any tights on, so I've got to get used to the tights and the snowshoes and all those kind of things. Welcome to the Big Ten, Ross. It's cold all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, Soft, this is man. a fun jog. This is a fun jog in this. I mean, you get a little pillow of snow there. Low impact, sure yeah. Make sure you have the good footing on that. Uh, number two for me, um, yesterday they, the boys started to get wind that it was possible that you were going to get a snow day. And and so they were hoping for it. So Bootsy comes home from school. <clears throat> he takes ice and flushes it down every toilet in the house. And then he takes um, he, he wore his pajamas inside out. And he slept with a spoon under his pillow because apparently these are the processes required in order to get a snow day. 
So as he's setting all of this stuff up yesterday, we get the news that, in fact, it is going to be a snow day. And his quote was, oh, my God, I love this superintendent. Like, it's just amazing. Like, they went to school two days this week. They had MLK off. They had a snow, the cold day on Wednesday. I go, dude, you went to school two days. Let's settle down. It might be time to tell him that none of that stuff matters. And it's actually, you know, maybe time for the talk of the, the wind and the trees that... When a, when a high-pressure system and a low-pressure system love each other very much. <laughs> That's right. That's how it all happens. Second thing for me, uh, when trying to go viral, it goes a little bit wrong, but I think he's having fun with it. But it, this guy just made a, a TikTok that was called Cheese Louise, and he says, I'm going to eat as many slices of cheese as followers I have. Oh, God. On day two, he got up to 24. That's a lot of slices of cheese, but it caught on in the algorithm. Day three, he has 141.7 thousand followers. So 141,000? Yes, because people were like, oh, we'll, we'll see what we can make you do. He, he He's not going to do that. He can't no, eat 141,000 slices of cheese. So he says he's looking for suggestions. He might do counting like each individual thing of like a shredded cheese as one slice, and maybe he can get you to a certain number either. there. Not, at, not now. When he made the video, he was still only at like 40-some thousand, 141. Oh, You're done. But c- congratulations, be, you have a bun of, bunch of followers now. What would be your cheese if you were to eat a bunch of cheese? Probably a, a Gouda or a, or a Colby Jack for me. Reese? Kraft Single, baby. That's what he went with. I'm assuming he, he did that. I'm assuming it's Kraft Singles because those are probably the cheapest and most convenient to purchase in bulk. Yes. So my That's new true. second thing now is I calculated with the what the hundred and forty one thousand yeah yeah nine million three hundred and six calories <laughs> three hundred six thousand <laughs> calories. I was also doing some calorie crunching with the seventy five hundred uncrustables the yeah. Baltimore Ravens reportedly consumed this past season one million five hundred and seventy five thousand calories of just uncrustables. Good lord, uh, number three for me. So I knew this would happen, but this is like our first kind of decent amount of snow since Buddy's been like fully mobile. Amy sent me a video of the boys chasing him in the snow. Guy's having the time of his life. It's just, it's pure joy watching the two littles be chased by Buddy Garrity. What a win. Most of the doggos love the snow. I know mine does. Last one for me. I understand that the roof collapsed, so it may be a requirement to tear down the old building that used to have the spaghetti warehouse. It actually moved like into downtown now, and behind Kosai, that building is just sitting vacant. But they, the article I saw was like, they're going to build a 15-story tower. Do not build another mixed-use building. They are boring and gray, and they're everywhere. Every mid-sized city looks the exact same now. You can't tell them apart. That building has some character to it. Do something with it or do something with the land that is not a 15-story building with office space on the first floor and apartments <laughs> above it. No more of them. We're at our max on those. Shameless plug for me. Tyvis and I will be on after Ohio State beats Penn State tomorrow. And our assistant overlord, Tim Hall's done running his mouth in the network post game. So about 3 o'clock, Tyvis and I, Sports Saturday on The Fan. All right, there you go. Have a great weekend. Stay safe out there, kids. Rothland and Ice up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The only radio show Ryan Day listens to when we're holding him hostage, making him listen to a radio show. The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. The Fan. 
is a fan action update. The Houston Texans are the first team since the 1981 Giants to be listed with 200 to 1 odds or higher to win the Super Bowl in the preseason and advance to the divisional round. The Texans are a very popular underdog at plus 9.5, getting close to 60% of the bets. This action update is brought to you by Mary Haven. Mary Haven Gambling Intervention Program, where free help is available to gamblers and their loved ones. I'm Scotty Vegas. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The Fan Sports Center. Good afternoon. I'm Matt Andrews. Overnight, ESPN's Pete Thamel. First to report, former Penn State Houston, Texas head coach Bill O'Brien. He'll be the new O coordinator for the Ohio State Buckeyes and head coach Ryan Day. O'Brien spent last year as the O coordinator for the Patriots. He spent the 21-22 season in the same role for Nick Saban at Alabama. He was the head coach for two years at Penn State. The OSU men take on Penn State tomorrow noon here at the Value City Arena. Our coverage at 11 a.m. The Buckeyes trying to snap a three-game losing streak. They're 12-5 and overall. Two and four in the Big Ten, Penn State nine and nine, three and four in the league. OSU women welcome in first place and second ranked Iowa Sunday at noon at the Value City Arena. We'll have that game right here on the fan. This update is sponsored by BMI Federal Credit Union. Need a little extra help after the holidays? Get a holiday loan for BMI Federal Credit Union, BMIFCU.org slash holiday loan. It's Friday. We talk about football. We call it Football Friday. What a concept. Sponsored by the Bet Park Sportsbook app. The Fan Ohio Sports Destination.